Holman, by a show of hands, how many people have had an attempted theft of their TRX? In this room, how many people? Show of hands. I thought it was stolen. <laughs> no, it was oh, not. Oh, just your pride? was just my pride, And yes. your sense of security mm, in your home? All those things were broken, yes. Yeah. Uh, how about your wife's uh, uh, knowing uh, side-eye glance if I told you so? I don't think she told me that my TRX was going to be stolen. Um, yeah, but she said you have an obnoxious truck that's going to uh, attract unwanted attract attention. Unwanted attention. <laughs> yes, that may have happened. Here's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go through it. You posted the uh, the photos, whatever. Oh, we talked, the, by the way, just blowing it off. You're welcome. By the way, we talked about this where I said several times, uh-huh. uh, your proximity to the freeway system and where you're, you are leaves your T-Rex mighty vulnerable. Yeah, I'm not in a secure neighborhood. There no. are a lot of ways to get my truck to Mexico really quick. Really quick. So there's that. But I wanted to know if you had heard your truck start up in the middle of the night, what you would have done. Because it's loud. It's very loud. I mean, I would have ran out there and called 911. Birds would have flown out of trees at 3 a.m. or whatever time this happened. Yeah. uh, I can tell you, it happened at 624 a.m. Why don't we hold this story about lightnings? I I, I can tell you this. Yesterday morning, I walk out and the truck is there, but it's damaged. But the truck was still there. And I thought, I feel violated. Mm-hmm. But it was a miracle that it was still there. Yes. I am truly thankful, which I will explain why later. But the truck is still there. I still have it in my possession. Someone wanted it and wanted it bad, but they didn't get it. And just two weeks ago, had I not taken some action, and I've talked about it on this show, the truck would have been stolen. Gone. Gone. Can we do this show as if your truck is gone? <laughs> why Why do you wish hate upon me? I, I don't. Like, well, why, why do you no, want I'm experimenting. it to be gone? I'm experimenting with, with uh, your human uh, emotion and your human condition. It's funny that you say that because my wife, Brandy, she says, oh, this is going to be so good for the podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of funny I mean so it's 25 years of radio you know like I'd be standing on my underwear on a street yeah. corner and that was it was awful for me but good for the listeners right doing all that kind of like wacky morning radio stuff and anytime that I would get a traffic ticket or whatever it was always oh this sucks now but this will be good on the air later sure well that's exactly what happened to me Sunday morning it was awful for me but I figured maybe it would be good for you because it's not good for me. You, I help you get the, that truck. I don't listeners. want to see it. No, you, the listeners. Okay, all right. Yeah, I don't want to see your truck ripped from your hands. Was, I mean, uh, all, all I can think of is when you sent me the photos is, oh, great. Now we got to hear is, if I had a cyber truck, this never would have happened because nobody wants one. No, I, I, I didn't have any thoughts about. If the I cyber had a truck. Raptor R, <laughs> no, I, I didn't have any of those thoughts. Okay, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Were you more like, damn, my truck's got a broken window? There was some of that, mm. but mostly it was, oh my God, it was so close to being stolen. Well, and the fact and that- uh, the, I mean, I have so much work into that thing. Well, and, and the fact that the the reason it wasn't stolen was literally just done two weeks ago. That's, so let's, we'll get let's into talk that. about we'll that. Get into that. All right, all right. On this episode of the Truck Show Podcast, we've got uh, journalist Tim Esterdahl, who will be joining us on the, uh, on the phone. And then we also, uh, a little video- got dropped this week and it's funny because last week you we were talking about Dave Sparks and his cyber truck with mm-hmm. tracks yeah and uh literally uh we said in the last episode how funny we haven't heard about the badger in a long time well lo and behold Ooh, yep, here it is yep and uh a cringy video was released uh and I'd like to talk about that a little bit because it's it's fascinating uh we won't belabor the point but it's worth noting because 
well, I don't know, 478 of you sent me the video. I'm like, yeah, okay, I got it. We've seen it. We've seen it. All right, well, we also have uh, news, and there is a ton of it this week. So before we start the show, we have to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. So if you're in the market for a new truck, head on over to your local Nissan dealership where you can take a gander over at the midsize Frontier or the half-ton Nissan Titan or Titan XD. The Titans have the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And uh, I've been driving that Frontier for a couple months now. And, uh, you might want to get I it love clean. That thing. It's a little muddy still. I got to be honest. It's raining right now. Oh, okay. Nature will clean it. That ex- <laughs> nature's car wash. Nature's car wash oh, happening see. right now with our atmospheric river returning to uh, Southern California. Yeah. So uh, it has been fantastic, though. I've driven that thing all over. You borrowed it and took it out to the desert. I had a great time. And it's 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 a great little truck. So uh, head on down to your local Nissan dealer, or you can go to nissanusa.com where you can build and price. Nissan has supported the Truck Show podcast since the very beginning. We would love for you to support Nissan in return. So if you're looking for a new truck, make sure to put them on your list. And if you guys plan to tow heavy this summer, you want the maximum continuous power output. You don't want your intake air temps to climb, causing a D-rate. When temps climb, your engine pulls power when you need it the most. That's why you need a Banks Intercooler. Banks Intercoolers are available for most pre-2017 trucks, Ram, GM, Ford. Increase boost air density for higher continuous power output and better fuel economy with a Banks Intercooler and high-flow boost tubes. Everything about their intercooler systems is designed bigger and better than any other competitor. Enter your year, make, and model to find yours at BanksPower.com. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The Truck Show. The Truck It's the Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. So, Holman, my question for you is whether we're going to start calling you truckless again. Oh, man. (laughs) No, please don't. I don't want to live through that again. What if it was a a shady listener that stalked you and decided to take advantage of, uh, of knowing? There are a lot of interesting... Theories? Well, theories, yeah, because the wife says, could it be a listener? Could it have been someone on the Facebook groups, mm-hmm. right? Ram 1500 TRX is on sure. there a lot. Could it have been a Banks guy? Could uh-huh. it have been like, there's so many possibilities. Mm. But really, I don't think so. I don't think, I think there are groups because, take me out of the equation. TRX is one of the most stolen vehicles, right? I know we talked about Kias, we talked, but like, they're just disappearing all over the place. I want to ask you a question. How would you have felt if I had sent you a photograph of a piece of broken glass in my driveway Sunday morning. I already felt bad that you had and, and, a and, truck with broken and, glass. But imagine that it was, there was nothing there. Like, no, I, I, I would have I would have raged. Would so have for those not, of, not cool. For those of you that have had stolen vehicles. I honestly think thieves should have body parts chopped off like the good old days so you knew they were a thief. Take, start taking fingers and ears and stuff. That'll stop that stuff real quick. I, I wonder if, like, do the cartels do that kind of stuff? That Absolutely. They'll steal from you, but but if you steal from them, you're going to be in a 55-gallon acid bucket on a bridge somewhere and yeah, somewhere. Right. So it's about 6.40 a.m., and the wife gets up to take our puppy out for uh, a, a little walk and just in the front yard, let her, let her pee. 
And so the wife goes out there and she realized that my car cover had been uh, folded up and over. So exposing the tailgate and the back window. And she looks at her and she goes, that's weird. The wind must have caught it last night. And then she looks closer in the back window because I have a foot, you know, square, 12 inch by 12 inch sliding glass portion Question in the middle for of the grand window. Would it have been better to have a padlock and cable underneath your car cover to help it from coming off so easily? I have that. I have that. Did they cut the car cover? No, no, no. You, It's in the center section. It goes mm-hmm. between the wheels. And you're able to fold up half of it and mm-hmm. kind of fold it over. So the cable is still connected. Mm-hmm. She sees it, and then she walks a few feet over and looks to our neighbor's yard, and there's the glass in the yard. She immediately goes inside, wakes me up, gets some clothes on. I walk right outside. It's it's obvious that someone had broken in in an attempt to to steal it, not just getting some stuff inside. And uh, I went in, first took some photographs of the glass, of the truck. It looks like they may have stood on the rear, the driver's side left wheel, and then pop the glass right in the center with who knows what these little, that tool that yep, it's is got a carbide loaded. tip on it. Yeah, exactly. Here's one thing I will say, and I have said this to the manufacturers over and over again. Stop putting in rear windows that open. I don't want it. I don't want a sliding rear window in my truck, period. In the past, I've actually taken the factory slider out and put in a solid glass window yeah. because it's too easy to break into trucks. Like, stop doing that. Well, so... I spent most of yesterday doing more research on the topic. And if they don't have the sliding glass, then they go in through the rear driver's side or passenger side because it's it's easier to get in for whatever reason through that. So they would have broken the glass regardless. So I run inside. I get the key fob. I come back out. I unlock the truck. And I was kind of delighted that it, it's still like it was still reacting to my key fob. I open the, the, the driver's door. And I look in and there's a wire harness hanging out where the light switch is, you know, to the left of the steering wheel home. And you've got that, um, the rotary headlight yeah, switch. It's just a panel that pops panel. out. Exactly. It just, it just pops right out. You can just do it with your hands. And then behind the dash is basically open so you can reach your hand in there. And they did. And if you know what you're grabbing, there's a particular harness that you can get your That's hand That's exactly on. what. Okay. So they pulled this harness. This harness was laying out as well. It's a big mm-hmm. green harness full of all these cables. And it was just laying there. So they had apparently tried to connect up to this harness and they didn't, it didn't work. And the reason it didn't work, guys, is because I had installed an IGLA device just two freaking weeks ago. And this is the part that like gives me chills. The way they're getting in is they connect to the body control module somehow. They get on the CAN bus. All these cars and trucks have CAN bus. And they're able to put it in this key pairing mode. And they basically tell the vehicle, oh, I'm a dealership and I'm, I've, I, the customer lost his key. I'm creating a new key for this vehicle. They create this new key and they can turn it on and just drive it right away. Super fast. I think they were in my driveway for four minutes or less. And because I installed this Igla device. By the way, you it, have it, cameras, right? I do. We'll get to that in a second. Are, were they pointed at your truck? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. They can't make the key. They probably freak out that it's not working, and they and they bounce, right? They bail. Did you see a and second vehicle take that other person away? So, so here's the thing with the cameras. I have multiple cameras around the house. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the previous owner of the house had installed them. They're all in great locations, and I kind of moved them a little bit so they're they're they have all great shots. My wife goes in. She pulls up the camera system. She looks at it. There's four cameras. Three cameras are working. The fourth one is not. It's black. She rewinds, she starts at like midnight and goes all the way through. 
and this one is black the whole time. I'm like, what in the world? Why is camera four out? It's the one that literally points at the truck. Did somebody come earlier and put something over the camera? I thought so. I went up. I looked at the camera. This is after kind of like I put the truck kind of back together and the whole thing. I got my ladder up. I inspected the wires. I looked at the camera. There was no black spray paint over the lens. Nothing like that. There was nobody tried to defeat the camera. I go inside and where the RCA connections come into the back of the DVR box, Mm -hmm. you know, the the camera control Mm -hmm. center. I'm like, what? I unplug camera four, plug it back in, right back on. It just needed to be rebooted. So you have to be looking at your cameras more often. Yeah, apparently. I mean, I look at my stuff probably five, six times a week just to make sure. I, well, I've learned my lesson. That sucks. I literally you, just unplugged. But what about the other ones? You have other ones pointing at the street. So Did this you see is a second why, car or anything? This is why I know it happened at 624 a.m. Okay. Because one of the other cameras, you've been in my house, and I have a camera that faces towards the, the front yard, mm-hmm. and then the TRX is over to the side. And yep. there's a kind of a part of the house that makes around, you can't see around the corner, but when they either got in or got out, you know how my amber DRLs light up? Mm-hmm. I could see the amber DRLs glow off the block wall. So that's how I knew what time it was so happening. So you think they now, powered the truck up to accessory or on mode while they were doing their thing? Something. Or when he got out. Oh, just like because when, the lights flash? Yes. Yeah. When you get on in or yeah. out, the lights would flash. I don't know if that's because of my taser that I have in there or not. But oh, by the way, they didn't touch the taser. At 624 on the tape, I could see this DRL light up the, the wall and then I see a black car whiz through the frame. And so I think that's when he freaked. He got out the driver's door and ran and got in the car and they just bailed. Probably. They had been there too long. What kind of car was it? Uh, I can't. It looked like a like a, like a Chevy Trax or something like it. You can't really tell. Hmm. I went frame by frame. The problem is shooting through some like a, like a miniature palm tree. So I can see the vehicle, but I can't tell what it is. But you can just see it whiz off. And it was right after the lights flash. So the lights flash, he jumps in the car and they bounce. And went down the street. So I was able to start the truck and it started, I went through the, the Igla has you put in your, like your passcode, right? Which you control with like steering wheel controls and on the dashboard and you, everyone is custom and it started right up. And I thought, wow, that's a freaking miracle. And then I turned it off and I cleaned up all the glass because there was glass everywhere. Just, you know, basically glass dust, you know, those little tiny shards everywhere. Pulled the car cover off, got in the truck and I drove it to work. Because it had no window. I didn't want to sit there all day with no window and have them come back. Go back because you have a dash cam, but I can't remember if yours is only forward looking or back. Did it record anything? Because I know my dash cam records all sorts of stuff I don't care about. So it's forward facing only. Okay. And it replaces the mirror assembly on Mm -hmm. the Ram truck. Yep. And the car cover was still on the the cab. Mm -hmm. So they were in darkness. Like they had or or they were surrounded in this cocoon, right? So it was pre-dawn. It was just dawn. It was just on. So it's shooting nothing. It's shooting a car cover through the windshield. You can't see squad. Now, there might be sound. I didn't go back to listen for I, sound. I would listen. I'd be curious to hear uh, any communication that they have yeah. or anything but like that. But it goes on because it's connected to the, uh, it gets its power from the rearview mirror mm-hmm. circuit. I think the ignition has to be on for that to go. So No, uh, because there should be a battery. No, it, no there's no battery. No, hmm. it's 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 only so, running with the cars. It's it's basically you know taping accidents and stuff in front of yeah, you. While yeah, yeah. But I but I have like on mine mine set up where it's pulling uh, power from a constant on fuse. So if the car's been off for a few days and I close the door and it thinks there's an impact, it's recording in the garage or whatever. It might. I'll have to check. Yeah, you'll, it, it might. You will have to double check on. I'll, that. I'll go back and I'll go back and look. Unfortunately, it's at work now and I'm here. It's studio. now for me. I'm almost thinking of like. They have those Uber taxi ones, same company of, as my camera, 
that face back toward the driver. Right. Now I'm kind of thinking like, hmm, maybe I put one of those in there so that I can see backwards too. Uh, that would have been a good idea. So I talked to, immediately went on and, and spoke to people on the forums and stuff like that. And they, the guys in Texas were saying that dudes are hopping in and flipping off the cameras, like mm-hmm. brazenly, showing yeah, with their face, are. no asking, flipping off the cameras. They're probably from the other side of the border. Like, and, they don't care. Yeah. and, and um, But at least it would let you understand how it's happening or posted or who knows. This is all so weird. So this happens on a Sunday morning. Saturday morning... A day prior, I'm on the phone with John from Igla, mm-hmm. and he's talking me through some of the features, and because we're going to have him on in a couple weeks. Yep. It and was by the way, weird. we were going to have him on before this happened because it was something that you came to me and you booked this guy. I've never heard of Igla before, and you're like, "Oh, Laura, blah blah." I'm like, "Okay, whatever." And then doing the research, I'm like, "Okay, well, that's cool." And then so you wouldn't had it done, and you booked him. It's interesting. So we won't go too much detail, but it's basically a device that intercepts between where they're trying to access the vehicle and then the computer itself. Correct. Right? It, there, there's a disconnect. And you showed me how it works. And so, like, I still have some concerns about it. And it'd be interesting to hear more. Like, you showed me every time you get in, there's like a five to ten second sequence of A, B, B, A, up, down, up, down. So if you ever play with a Nintendo controller, you same basically kind of do the same thing every single time you get in your vehicle. So to me, like, that's a little bit on the annoying side. Although I did something you didn't, I didn't tell you the key fob. They have a key fob. I understand? And they they recommend if you don't have to use the key fob, right. it's safer to not use the key fob. But it's a proximity based, just like yep. your regular key fob. If I wanted to hang that on my belt or, or on the key, but itself, can somebody take that signal and figure it out? No, they said that one is not being tracked. They're not looking for that particular um, uh, uh, RF frequency range. They're only looking for. The factory RAM. So, so that helped. That to me helps a little bit. The other thing I didn't like is there's very few installers nationwide. I think there's only what two or three here in SoCal. Period, and they won't tell you as the owner where the module is hidden in the vehicle. Which I get why they're doing it to be super secure. This is supposed to be one of the best things that you can get for your vehicle. Blah 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 blah. But what do you do when you go to sell it? What do you do when you go to the dealer? What do you do when you have valets? What do you do? Like, you're so, not going to teach them how no, to do all the stuff. That is it's funny that you ask, because Saturday morning, I asked John that specific question. Mm-hmm. I said, how do I put this into bypass mode? Because yeah. what, what I didn't explain a couple episodes when I had, ago when I had this put in is I wasn't there at work. I was at, I had, my truck was at Banks, and I had a lunch meeting. And I asked Steven in my office, I'm like, hey, could you let this guy, John, in from Igla? He's going to install this thing for a couple hours. If he needs anything, he needs a soda, water, bathroom, help him out. And because uh, John had told me, I can't watch him put it in. Right. So I had never gotten the tutorial. Like when you buy a new car and they go like, all right, Mr. Smith, here's how you up, roll up and down the windows and do cruise control. I, he had never given me those instructions. So I had this little card and I have a thing yeah. in my wallet, like a little credit card. And with they only print that card once, right? Yes. Because it's unique to you. Or the code that is on there, and that's it. That's correct. That's the, that's the only correct. one they do. Correct. So he gave it to me, and I photographed it. So yep. it's in my phone, and I have one in my wallet right yep. now. I actually give it to you. And it's got some instructions on it. It's kind of cool. So I wouldn't put that in your wallet. I would take a picture of that. I did. And lo- put it locked in your phone images and not have this. I would go put this in your safe. Yeah, it's a good idea. So it's, I get John on the phone. He's walking me through some of the stuff and he explains, I want to bring it into the Ram dealer, get it oil change, right. things like that. There is a service mode that will turn it off and it will automatically turn itself back on. Well, there's when, two modes. There's a service and a transport mode, right? Correct. And they say, don't use the transport mode. Because it lasts 30 days instead of that's two days correct. or something like that's that. That's correct. Whereas 
the service mode will turn itself back on if you go 50 miles an hour. Immediately the next time you turn it off, it arms itself. So someone really thought this out. But now, where, right, where are they based, though? Is this a Russian company? This is like Czech Republic. Yeah. And there's a really weird story behind how they're getting imported. The company is called Author, um, A-U-T-H-O-R, Author So that's Alarms. the other thing that's kind of but interesting. But then this is IGLA, I-G-L-A, and no one knows what it stands for. Like, yeah, there's yeah. some. But... Well, and that's like the Ravelco stuff out of, I think they're Russian. And like they talk a good game, but there's a whole lot of drawbacks to that system as well, including hacking up your wiring harness. And this doesn't require that, we think, but we don't know because you couldn't watch the install. What you get when you buy this box, when you buy this yeah. unit, you literally get a little tiny cardboard box. And inside you get this card. Yep. And two cards, you get a sticker and a serial number and the two key fobs. That's it. That's you it. get no wiring hard. You get right. nothing. You never see the module. So that's the thing that bothers me. It bothers a, me a too. DIY guy who wants Dude. to know everything that's happening on my vehicle or to tell the next owner, hey, this is what it happened. I just, Dude, and what I, happens if that thing goes bad? I've been in the car. Does it have active industry? safety? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks, no. <laughs> right. I, I don't think it does. So I, that those are so, the questions I have. Like, I get that it saved you from getting your truck stolen, which is awesome. It worked exactly as advertised. You're going to go out and you're going to profess how great it is. Me, I'm thinking of all the other ways it doesn't work. Like, I'm glad it served its purpose. But I but brought those all th- yeah. all those things up. And he yeah. goes, you've got my, he, you know, he'd say, yeah. you've got my cell phone. Yeah. I'm in West Covina. You know, he's five minutes from Banks yeah. and he's 30 minutes from my house. So what happens if he, if he gets hit? By a, bus. by a bus. And nobody, like, what do you do? I call some other Igla dude. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I literally don't know because yeah. I don't know where it is. I would have to. Does he have anyone who works for him? Is there any records somewhere? I would have to put it are in people transport gonna, mode. Are people going to find him and steal his records and then find out the address of all the cars he's installed? And then I go don't steal? know, dude. It's all ah. sketchy because, because look, <laughs> he's, dude, he's in every freaking TRX I, in SoCal. I know. He's a good marketer. He's, I get it. The product worked as advertised, but. There's a lot of buts. There's a lot of buts. But, dude. It saved you from losing how, your TRX. If I would I have it. come out Sunday morning to no truck. Yeah, I know. I would have lost my freaking mind. Yeah. And I got to be honest. And you would have put what, your deposit on the Cybertruck. What, I wouldn't have. No, <laughs> well, I've been so hurt I would not have. What, 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 would you, what would you have replaced it with? A Frontier. Really? Yeah, I swear to God, Frontier. Wow. I'm not saying that because it's on sponsor. I'm saying because I'm, I would be like, because I have whiplash in car buying. I'll go from something radical yeah. to something you just conservative. You want something practical that you drive every day and not have to worry about. I, no question. Yeah. Right to the Nissan dealer. Right. But like not, enough about that. This is super spooky. How this all went down. I can't, it just it's fucking weird. Fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. Our timeline, us talking about it, you and me, the fact that you got it just in time, and then all of a sudden, what if there's some dude and the Igla guy is like tipping people off? I They're know. Like, Go break into cars. That way, they feel good about the thing. The is thing. I know, but check it out. I never gave John my address. They have it on your registration. It's, it's in your glove box. Oh yeah, it's true. I'm just uh, listen. That's true. I'm not saying he is. I, I'm sure he's a great guy with a great business. <laughs> don't, don't, but in I'm my no mind, conspiracy theories. You I know. know. I just it's, so here's my next step. People are like, well, what are you gonna do? I am totally, a moat with alligators and fire. So right now, the truck is on its way over to uh, Ellis Ram, yep. Dodge, yep. Jeep, Chrysler, all their yep. other brands. It's going over there for the rear glass. The rear yep. glass is two weeks out. Edder, my service yep. manager Edder's over there. Rad, by the Edder's way. rad. Yep. He already ordered the glass, but it's still two weeks. Yep. There's nothing he can do about it. It's the same as all the Ram 1500s. It's yep. not like there's yep. nothing special right. about my TRX class. So he's got to get that in. Um, at first, they wanted to, my Progressive Insurance because it's it's a corporate vehicle. Yep. Right. 
they wanted to put me with Safe Flight, and I'm like, I don't want Safe Flight. I want factory Mopar glass. No, no. Safe Flight does factory. You just have to request. Okay, well, yeah, then we'll make fine. sure that that happens. That as of this recording, that hasn't yeah. happened yet. And it's going over there, and uh, I want to make. Make sure that they look at the wiring. I want then that. you got to take it over to Brian at SoCal uh, Tent, right? I got to get, get the get tin the redone. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's good. It's 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 all easy. It's first world. It's nice problems. that you have your truck, but there's a bunch of other stuff now. Your headaches sure. that you got to deal with. But here's what I started doing Sunday right after it happened. Posting on Instagram. Nope. What's my next move? And my next move is an alarm system. I have to because all of my Mini Cooper, my Acura, my Toyota pickup truck, my my the Rock Crusher Dually, every single vehicle I've owned has had a either a Viper or a CompuStar alarm in it. This is the first one that hasn't, and I kind of paid the price. So they busted the window, it's silent, nothing happens. You know, it's a factory Ram Mopar alarm. It might. Well, it's an immobilizer. It's not an alarm. That's all right. it is. It might Correct. It's an immobilizer. Yeah. And so it didn't do anything, right? And so they're free to get in and they know that. Yeah. If that had squealed and started screeching yeah. at them and I'm now in the process of- If that I'm were my AB, house and that happened, I'd be running out with a Remington 870 I don't, to greet them in my I driveway. I don't own a firearm. I'm That's just saying. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to- I'm Right now, I'm vacillating between Viper- and CompuStar, because everyone so seems to pair- So now you have pair. three key fobs on your Keurig. Yeah, unfortunately. Wow. But I, at the, whatever. If it keeps the truck in my driveway, then it that's fine. I'll deal with that. Everyone's saying to go with the CompuStar with this uh, uh, drone mobile, which is a GPS service you pay for, but as soon as they steal it, they can't find it. It's hidden, and you can go, it's going down the 405 freeway at 90 miles an hour, and you can call the, co- the highway patrol, and they can track it. Um, so it's like LoJack. It's just like LoJack, but exactly. But how? I'm sure they do. They know how to defeat that too. I mean, but the thing is, how much time do they have? You know, it's in your front yard. Yeah, and they're going to have to defeat it while it's in your front yard because it's tracking them. Yeah. So if you can act quickly enough, in theory, you could find it. Or, or you could go on Amazon and you could get a waterproof little uh, air tag, air tag container, and throw an air tag. Here's the problem and, and with that: they know when the air tag is following them because there'll be an alert on their cell good. phone. Good, get out of the car then. Well, they'll go looking for it. My air tag is behind bolts. You have to have specialized bolts to undo some stuff that's in my Jeep to get to my AirTag. That's not so a bad you, idea. you will have to stop and pull over and move some heavy stuff around and then unbolt some stuff to get down to where mine is. And it doesn't kill the range? No. No. Uh-huh. Do, I have the- Show me afterwards. The AirTag on mine, the the icon, I'll show you on my phone right now. So if I say track my, mm-hmm. the, my, my, find my phone, right? So I go to find mine on my Apple thing. Yep. I see it. All right. I go to items. Mm-hmm. What's the logo for the 392? Oh, I got to stretch right over. A race car? A little red race, race car. car. Yep. And it's so sad because every time I leave home or I go in a parking spot, it says, You've left your race your car Your race car has been left behind. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, um, I have it so it, the sound is off because it'll play a sound. And so I have it so the sound is off so somebody doesn't, but a lot of people take the air tag out and they just cut the speaker wire. Right. And then they put it in their car. So it's a cheap way to do it because everybody has iPhones. And I can tell you, what is it, where does it say our location is right now? Right here. Right here. Yep. So it's not- I have, I've seen if, that. If, in, if I, nothing else, yeah, that it, it's an option for somebody who can't afford an expensive you know, um, alarm system or GPS tracker. It's, it's pretty effective. So right now, again, I'm looking at Viper because they've got a, a suite. And I'm really familiar with Viper, but I see a lot of recommendations for the CompuStar. If you guys have, I haven't put it in as of this recording. So if you have some experience with either the Viper or the CompuStar, 
with the drone mobile, please do send me a note, lightning at churchillpodcast.com or at LBC Lightning on the gram. I am very interested and will be installing an alarm soon. And I'm going to do my best to connect it to a police siren. Because Six, when they when they break the glass, I want them to hear a siren. 657-205-6105. If you've got some uh, advice for Lightning on how to keep his uh, TRX on his side of the sidewalk. Dude, all these cars for all these years, I've never had one... Uh, what do you violated? I've never had one violated like this. You know, I've had bumped into a parking lot of stuff, but I've never yeah. had someone intentionally break in to steal it. Yeah, and I know a lot of you have. This is just me, and maybe I've lived in safe neighborhoods or whatever. Although, dude, I've worked. You, you live. You live in a safe neighborhood, but it's I just, but I've worked in some sketchy ass neighborhoods. The only issue is that you just have proximity to the freeway system. Yeah, right. Like that's probably the worst part about it because your neighborhood's nice. You live in a great spot. It's not a crime-ridden place at all. It's a nice middle-class, upscale neighborhood. We we've had a couple of catalytic converters stolen, things like that. Yeah, but and I, mean, I have cat covers kinda, on mine. Yeah, fortunately, that's just how it is in living in life in SoCal. This is where the SoCal pompousness sucks, guys. So that happened. So that, so that, so that happened. So that, so that, so that happened. There was a trend that went down. We look back now. We So that happened. I kind of feel like it didn't happen, though. No, it did. <laughs> but, I, but it didn't. You have you have a truck still. You know what it was? Like, um, they pulled my pants down, but they didn't violate me. Like, I'm still embarrassed, right? I'm standing there naked. Yeah. But they didn't penetrate me. Wow. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Speaking of that, why don't we uh, go to our uh, next guest, who we'll shortly have on the <laughs> oh, wow. phone. You think, you think Tim will like this I intro? I don't think that segue <laughs> is going to be uh, acceptable to him, oh, but right it is on. our show, so. Okay, Tim Esterdahl. Let's call him up. Hello, are you coming? Is this one Mr. Tim Esterdahl of Pickup Truck Talk and SUV Talk? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, or, or, or perhaps pickup truck plus SUV talk, or that too, yes? Yeah, yeah, that, yes, that one. <laughs> it is Lightning and Holman, the Truck Show Podcast. How are you doing? Good, how are you guys doing? We are fantastic. We have so much to talk to you about, but first we've got to play the intro that everyone gets. Well, everyone gets their own intro, but yours is Pull Up a Stool. Pull Up a Stool and Share. Pull Up a Stool and Share a Story. You pull up a stool and share with us. So from time to time on the Truck Show Podcast, we like to have some of our uh, journalist friends on the show. You may remember uh, Tim from our episode where we talked about the uh, the Cybertruck because he was having a conversation with other journalist friend of ours, Mark Williams, about it. And uh, we had uh, talked about a story that kind of Mark hinted at on the show. And we thought, hey, you know, it'd be cool to have have Tim on and kind of talk about the, uh, the landscape of uh, the truck and SUV world right now because there's a lot of stuff going on. Indeed. Thanks for having me on. It is, it is crazy what's going on in the marketplace. So let's start with uh, kind of your background, where you came from, and kind of how you got to where you are today so that any of our listeners who haven't heard from you or of you kind of know uh, what you're all about. Sure. I, I'm actually uh, the automotive space now over a decade, did some finance work for you back in the day with Motor Trend, or what was it, Truck Trend, and changed over. Um, I grew up kind of in Michigan, and was a GM Worked with GM as the engineering side. I've always been around trucks and got a degree in journalism and just kind of 
fell into the job, as it were. We all have really crazy stories how we got in the business. Mine, I answered a Craigslist ad to run two different total websites, and then just kind of parlayed into where oh, I am today. Hold on a second. Don't gloss over that, <laughs> yeah. Tim. You you did not answer a Craigslist ad. Seriously? Seriously, yeah. <laughs> what did it say for a good time uh, call? You know, <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, you know, so at the time I was running a web design kind of business, so I wasn't very satisfied with it. And I was looking around, and Craigslist was big back then. I mean, I'm talking 12, 14 years ago now. And uh, it said, looking for an editor to run a uh, two tour websites, two Twitter truck websites, one Twitter headquarters and one Tacoma headquarters. And being my relationship in Michigan, growing up around trucks and always being around trucks and and a journalism degree, I figured, what the hell, and took a shot at it. And that's what it turned into. I probably did them flying to Michigan and doing some, I did daughter show circuit and met people and shook hands and kissed babies and pitched stories. And that's, that's funny. Usually I uh, shake babies and kiss hands. I, mm-hmm. I, I may have that backwards. Yeah, yeah sure. Sure. <laughs> you, you may be that backwards. Anyway. So, uh, so Tim and I have been on the, uh, the auto manufacturer media circuit together for a pretty long time. And we uh, will see each other from time to time on, on different events. And, it just seems like this last few years, I mean, I remember going back maybe sometime 2010, 11, 12, where it was sort of the doldrums. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on. And now everybody wants to get into the SUV space, the kind of more off-roady space. And then the truck wars are still going on. And we thought, oh, you know, people hit maybe a thousand pound feet of torque and, and they'll chill out. Yeah, no. And then there was a time when the midsize truck market didn't exist. And now not only does the midsize truck market have basically all new entries now, but now the small truck space is starting to uh, get hot with uh, obviously the Maverick and the the, uh, Santa Cruz. So what do you attribute all of the the growth and truck and excitement uh, of trucks for? And and that's not even talking about the EVs like Cybertruck and Rivian and some of the other players. I think it comes down to two things. I think, first of all, you know, when I was growing up in the 1980s and 90s, I mean, if you got 10 miles in the truck going downhill and stuff wind, you were doing really damn good. And now you get to something like the Maverick and the front-wheel drive hybrid is 40 miles per gallon. I mean, okay, so there's no gasoline penalty anymore driving a truck like there used to be. And then you look at people's lifestyles and this next generation and, and even our generation, you know, how much Netflix can you watch? You know, I mean, you want to get outside and do something. And to be able to do that, you have to have a truck. I mean, you know, a, a pickup truck talk took off big time during COVID because what could you do during COVID? You can go outside camping, go outside off-roading, hunting, whatever, but you couldn't go inside a mall anymore. You couldn't go inside a store anymore. And so, you know, the views just took off a lot and people's interest took off a lot. And I've always said there's no better utilitary kind of vehicle than a pickup truck. You know, if you want to haul a family, great. If you want to haul nothing in your life, great. If you should drive around and commute to work, great. If you want to tow stuff, do whatever. It's, it's basically the, the, the one vehicle that's out there anymore that you can do whatever you decide to do in your life with. You don't have to make compromises. You know, the, the, the full-size sedan was always a compromise. Compact sedans, compromise. And now you're looking at stuff with, hey, no compromise. You look at SUVs, look at the baby boomer market, and they're all getting older. And last thing they want to do is bend down and get an SUV. Well, hell, I'm nearing getting closer to 50 than 40. Last thing I want to do is bend down into a sedan anymore. I want to get sit up, sit up higher. I want to see more. And I want to be a little more comfortable, more room in the head and headroom, more room, shoulder room. I want a bigger, bigger cab. And I've had a, I've owned a full size truck now for three years and I, it's, it's hard to beat it. Holman's often said that uh, the truck is the modern day station wagon. You know, I, I, it sounds like you'd agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've said it's like the Swiss army knife of vehicles too. It's the same, same idea. 
that you can do whatever, whatever you choose to do is fine. And like you said, if, I, I know truck owners that never haul or tow anything besides golf clubs or, you know, a, a, a few bags of mulch here and there. And they love their trucks. How dare you okay. call out yeah. Lightning and his TRX like that? It's funny that I actually <laughs> right. just hauled mulch about uh, right before Christmas. But you did it in a Banks truck, right? You didn't did do it, it in yours. I did it in mine. I don't believe you. I did it in mine, and then I vacuumed all uh, the, the, I, I the mulch s- out. I want to see the tailgate down for evidence of I mulch t- back I there. took a photo of it because I knew you'd call uh-huh, me out. Of yep. course. I literally did. I've been uh, hauling stuff in it lately. I have been actually using it like a truck, not just hauling air. I'm confused about this vacuuming thing you did. Uh, because I'm a clean freak with it, I'm trying to keep it new. So what happened is... You should have just left your Tato open yeah, actually, and driven on the freeway. So it wasn't mulch. Oh, here we go. It wasn't mulch. It was that oh, bark. Here we go. No, no, no. It was the, that bark stuff. So the wife it puts bark all around you know where the plants are so it's like we don't need mulch for i don't know it's the bark it's it's brown ground cover for your ground cover whatever it's called yes and one of the bags split open and there's stuff all over the wait a minute you had it in bags so you're trying to say like the guy at home depot put a bucket load of mulch in the back and you did it just like the people wearing cowboy hats instead you had a bunch of bags and one just accidentally ripped open yes that's exactly (laughs) what i'm saying that's how most people go and get mulch it's in bags or you get the bark it's in bags congratulations on winning the truck merit badge for hauling mulch wasn't asking for a merit badge i've already got underwater basketry like that's all the merit badge you need (laughs) so tim how uh how do you guys use your trucks in uh, nebraska and and do you vacuum out uh, whatever is uh, remaining back there so it looks clean the next day? Vacuum, no. I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'll tell it anyway. Good. Just because it's <laughs> funny. I tend to go deer hunting in Nebraska because what else do you do in the wet fall and winter? It's boring, so you go deer hunting. So one year, I had a GMC Sierra AT4 I was deer hunting with, and it was the sand kind of tan color. And I shot a deer off the tailgate because that's what we do. Needed a gun rest, shot the deer, and I drove the truck over, and it had that multi, what's GMC called? Multi-Pro, right? So yep. the Chevy's multi-flex, whatever damn thing is. So it folds all the way down, and it was helpful because I had gutted the deer, and I, it was a heavy deer. And I summoned every ounce of energy I could in man, manhood and lifted the deer up, the head and the hooves and everything, and used the tailgate in my advantage to put it in the, in the, into the bed. And so I drive home, and in Nebraska, we have chronic wasting disease, so we need the deer to check station and the deer check, make sure it's healthy, you're not going to eat meat that's going to you know, cause you harm. Well, it turns out that the uh, station wasn't open yet. I shot the deer at 7 o'clock in the morning, they didn't get there at 8 o'clock, so I parked the truck outside my garage. And I'm sitting inside my garage, got my knives, got my, my table, I'm getting ready to, to carve the deer up and, and process it. And my neighbors keep driving by really slowly. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Why are they driving by really slowly? And so I go around the back of the truck and I look and it looks like some Halloween situation. I didn't realize that deer blood would actually come through the seals of the multi-flex tailgate and come <laughs> down like blood trails. <laughs> and, and I, I, yeah. So I took it over and I got the deer done and they picked it up as a Sloan. Then they took it back to Denver as they do and, and I get a phone call like a week later and, and the press manager, he says, you know, he says, Hey, maybe next time, can you please, you know, go ahead and power wash out the back of that bed? And I said, Oh gosh, sure. You know, no problem. I said, I, I typically don't, I typically, you know, 
use the truck for truck and whatever. He goes, yeah, he goes, uh, they actually picked that truck up and put it on a transport, shipped it back to their place and had a hell of a time convincing the transport driver that it was deer blood, not human blood. <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, uh, whoops. And, <laughs> and then I get, and so then I, I later on another truck and I power wash all of that thing, you know, make sure clean, I another deer in the back of it, clean up. And like a month later, I get a phone call from the guy in Utah and he actually complained to the press seat guy and goes, did Estradol have this last? Cause I had deer blood in the back of the truck. And I was like, you're full of it. It was 30 degrees in the morning. I stacked $9 of power wash. I cleaned the hell out of that damn thing. There was no blood left. And like, how is my reputation now known as the guys living deer blood in the back of the truck? I'm like, what? I mean, you should hear the whispers on the media bus when we uh, go on trips. How did you not yeah, yeah. clean it out the first time? You sent it back like with blood. That's insane. Can you imagine if well, you'd done so, that in California, you'd have SWAT at your house. Well, that's why I don't live in California. But, uh, you know, I, but I've talked to the Testament guys about it many times, and they're just like, and they tell me, like, they, they power wash it anyways. They take they clean it up. So I'm like, well, okay, if you're going to clean it up, you know. I've talked to manufacturers that tell me, don't wash it, we'll take care of it. Okay, so I'd kind of gone along with that viewpoint. I hadn't really thought about it before until that moment when, well, maybe I made the wrong decision. I need to think about that. But, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was quite the uh, situation. I will tell you, that I, I sent a photo of that bed in to our friend, Chad Bolsch, who's now Chevy yep. Communications truck manager. And uh, he, I had the team mixed up. He's a GMC with Chevy. Anyways, he sent it in and he goes, he loved it. And I did it. And I went back to the house and Jill, who's my managing editor, she was like, after me to do a video on this, the, the, the hunt. And I was like, I'm not doing a video on the hunt. What, you know, what the hell? It's not. It's, it's not that interesting. Because you have got to do a video on this hunt. So I went and I, I have the, you know, the channel is a, we do websites, posts, and we do videos and that kind of stuff. And so I went and did a video on it. It was NSFW. They do in these days, you know, whatever. And apparently, I found out later on is that the GM engineers they post an internal message board, and they freaking love that story, because I was here. I am using a truck for being a truck now. It, granted, it was an $80,000 half-ton truck, and I actually was sitting inside the cabin screwing around on Facebook at 5 in the morning and letting the engine run. I would be more mad about the, uh, all the all the uh, deer blood on the front seats more than the bed. Right. That, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to tell you this fabulous story, but I looked up off Facebook, and the deer's looking at me, so I just, I was going to take the shot across the hood, but I learned my lesson. <laughs> you can't fire your rifle across the hood, because if you're firing from the driver's side, the projectile from the ca- casing falls on the hood, and leaves a nice little mark in the hood because it burns through the paint. So you got to be cautious. Yeah, so of that. Don't That's do why that. I walked around the back of the tailgate. I walked around the tailgate, fired off, and there you go. Sat through the dirt. Note, note yeah, to so self. You these things. This is this is experience talking here. Yeah, this note to self. When I am a communications manager at GM Ford Ram, do not loan a truck to Tim Esterdahl. <laughs> I, I, what I'm hearing here is I, I can see it on Lightning's face is his enthusiasm, and he's ready to take that next level into truckdom. And uh, he is going to take his TRX uh, with some sort of uh, projectile firing implement, and he's going to get blood all over the back of that and thing. Then I, yeah, I'm going to hunt. It's going to be your blood as well. Except the be. blood, the blood is going to be in bags that he gets probably from like getting steaks at Home Depot or at uh, Costco or something. And he's just going to cut a bag so it leaks out some steak blood in the I back. I don't want blood in my truck. I got to be honest with you. So speaking of uh, press cars, well, what have you been in lately? Uh, the ones that you're allowed that, that manufacturers still send you. <laughs> They're allowed to talk to you. Uh, let's see. Lately, I was just in the Hyundai Santa Cruz actually talking about a vehicle that's unique. Um, Is that unique, polite, new. or unique, interesting, or unique, good? You know, I I, I would say it's it's unique, polite. Okay. Uh, it's definitely a different customer, right? So it's it's a more 
luxury compact car, and as you well, we can call it trucklet. We'll call it a trucklet. Um, it's it's more unique. It's the price point's a little bit higher than I expected for a compact truck. Uh, the styling is very um, very stylish, and what, it's it's a very it's it's interesting. What was the price point of the one that you had? You know, I think it was like it's a forty. Oh my god! It, it was yeah, it wow. was crazy. But it was you know. It was whatever bell and whistle you could you could add to the damn thing. Yeah, was, but you could still get point. a pretty nice off road package on a real body on frame midsize for around that price. So I'm I'm surprised that it's that it's that high. And, but these are selling really well, aren't they? Well, Mavericks too. I mean, we just talked about how the Maverick price went up to what twenty five base for twenty twenty four something like that. So mm-hmm. I think they can they can make the Maverick whatever price they want. Think people will buy it. Because yeah, it seems you look like at it. the areas. But, well, like downtown LA, for example, where you guys are at. I mean, I I wouldn't drive a, a one ton dually down there, right? But if you if you needed a, a good vehicle for around town and have chance to carry your mulch and bags back from the Home Depot, you know, you the Lightning is a good option. <laughs> See what you did there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, to, I totally get it. It's just it's like, but yeah, it's, it's it's the market's so interesting. I had that. I had the Ford Bronco Sport Heritage Edition for forty six thousand dollars. And this yellow with yes, white, top. yellow and white, yeah, with the white and wheels, the, yeah. And I tell you, I, when I drove around town, it was just split down the line. Yeah. Men hated it. Women loved it. I had and a it's just, it's uh, fascinating. A family friend. She was all excited that she bought herself a Bronco. She had a Honda Pilot, and her kids are of mm-hmm. driving age. And she said, "I'm so happy! I finally got my Bronco. I gave my Pilot to my son, who's now 16. It's the perfect car for." high school and i figure since i'm not hauling kids around everywhere i'm gonna get what i want and i was like oh that's great good for you and she went and got the heritage edition that had you know the the two-tone with the white and mm-hmm. I, I, it just looks girly doesn't it it's not even girly i just i don't know i just don't think it re- especially on the sport it doesn't resonate i mean the the big bronco which is what she got actually has some retro lines on it so you can kind of see it but it's just kind of like you paid more for that? I feel like that should be the base model. Like, mm-hmm. like that should just come that way. But I know they're pulling that, uh, you know, tugging on your heartstrings. I think that's the biggest thing that's changed over the years is not the base level trucks or the base level things. I think those have been about the same. You know, we get Apple CarPlay now or Android Auto when we did before. We get, you know, we get nice the, the different styling and the, the seats or something like that. I think what's really changed is the special editions. And the high-end stuff, the high-end luxury editions, so, like the, the new Ram fifteen hundred tungsten, hundred thousand dollars, four to fifty platinum, hundred thousand dollars. You know, it's, it's it's you look at the GMC Sierra Denali Ultimate half ton, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, right. It, it, and it's just it's 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 crazy to me. I remember interviewing a guy years ago who bought a GMC Canyon Denali. The first GMC Canyon Denali ever that came out with that, I don't know, a couple, three or four years ago. And I even interviewed him because I couldn't understand why people would actually buy that truck in that high price point when you could buy a full size for, you know, $10,000 more or whatever at that price point and go for it, you know, whatever. And the guy was very clear. He was a, it was a retired Marine who was living in Pennsylvania who wanted to go turkey hunting with his friends. Didn't want to drive a truck down the trail, one of the smaller truck. And he was pissed off at that time. Because you couldn't buy more features for that truck, they didn't offer it. Yeah, I, I thought that truck <laughs> looked nice. It had like the Denali, you know, looks to it. But I felt like mm-hmm. they didn't do some things like make the interior nicer, add more sound deadening, things that you would expect from a Denali. So it was sort of like a Denali in looks. But I agree that right. if you're going to spend that kind of money, you should have all the features too. And, and I, I'm I'm somebody that has always advocated for 
features should be separate from size class. Like there's there's no reason where you need to have oh well the the small truck doesn't have the same features as the big truck. I don't I don't think that's it at all. I think you should be able to buy whatever size vehicle and then overlay whatever features you want on it. So I could definitely see that guy's point. He's it's my lifestyle. I want a smaller truck. I don't need a big truck, but I want to have all the features and the luxury. I just wish that they would on that generation, they would have done a little bit more to refine it cuz the interior was still pretty junky on those and the outside was really nice looking, but I just felt like it it fell flat right. in a few areas. But Tim, what's the psychographic of uh of the person who's buying the top level truck? So you've got the baller who's got the Lamborghini or the Ferrari or the Porsche, and then he has the top level truck. That's the 1%. Get rid of them. Who is all the rest that are buying all the GMC Denali Ultimates, which are $100,000, which GMC can't make enough of right now? Like it's the num- one of their number one sellers. Is, is it a young guy, like a dot com millionaire? Is it a, a Texas oil tycoon? Like who is this dude? That's spending hundred grand on these top level trucks, whether it be the midsize or the three quarter one tons. It's a couple of different people. It's the first person that's going to be retiree who wants to buy one truck for the rest of his life. He wants all the bells and whistles. He doesn't. His kids are out of college. His house paid off. He doesn't care about the payment. Doesn't care about the money. He has great credit. He's going to get zero zero percent or two percent interest rates. And my dad, when he retired from GM, bought a GMC Sierra Denali. And he bought the top 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 trim because that's what he wanted. You also have, like you said, business owners like that. That high level truck is is the business owner's truck, right? It's the construction foreman's truck, not the construction guy's guy's truck. And the, the reason that that truck succeeds, is, and it's like for example, my case is I can write that truck off as a business expense. So can that guy. So if when you go to do taxes, you have to understand that if I have, if if I'm going to spend fifty thousand or eighty thousand, I'd much rather spend eighty thousand on a truck than I would fifty if I'm going to go do taxes have a bigger write-off. I save more money in taxes. And so that's where you're seeing that difference. It's why a couple of years ago, we saw a big growth in leasing in full-size trucks in the luxury segment, because leasing is very consistent with the wealthy who treat the automotive payment as a monthly business expense and not look at it as something long-term they're going to pay off. They'll never pay it off. They don't care about paying it off. They save more on taxes than they would ever paying it off. And so they look at things that way. And so that's that customer. I know a lot of ranchers around me who drive. I, I, I swear to God, I was, I was uh, about a year ago, I was out driving and I saw a guy putting down uh, uh, fertilizer. He had a F-250 King Ranch with a hookup and he's doing a spreader in his fields. And I was shocked because, you know, Ford does commercials and whatever commercials, but this real happened in real life. And I know that why the guy that bought that truck, the guy bought the truck because he lives in that truck. That truck's cost more than his house does. He doesn't care. He spends more time in a truck than he does in his house, and he gets to write the taxes. Off, he writes it all off in taxes. So, Section One Seventy Nine of the tax code got changed a couple of years ago, and you can write off as much as you want in the first year of ownership of a truck. That I really may have the- taken advantage of such things. Right. I'm not sure I mean, what you're that, talking that, about. I, I, I <laughs> may have gotten a very expensive vehicle about a month and a half before I was laid off and uh, turned it into a business vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I, and and from your viewpoint, your tax accountant viewpoint, you, you know, and my viewpoint as well. When I buy, I buy a truck every year. Taxes is part of the reason, but also business is a big part of the reason too. It makes it makes good sense in my business to have a truck for a year and then do videos and that kind of stuff on it. But I mean, you know, my tax accountant said to me, she says you need to spend more money on a truck when you buy it. Like that's the conversation we had was you're spending too little. Oh, I, I I've had <laughs> I've definitely had people with that. There, in fact, our friend Ben Palmer had ordered a three ninety two. 
of and, uh, 406 Garage. Of 406 Garage, yep. and he canceled it. Or no, the dealership called and said, hey, uh, your 392 is in. And he's like, yeah, I don't know that I want to spend that much money. So they sold it to somebody else. And then Ben got with his accountant two weeks later, and he said, you got to buy something. Your tax liabilities are too high. She scolded him. And so he called the dealer, like, sorry, dude, it's gone. So he ended up buying, I think, a diesel Gladiator. But it's interesting how much of the truck market is driven by small business owners. And fortunately, you know, when I talked to my CPA, he's like, well... You know, you can write it all off in one year. It's an option, but you have to show that it's a business vehicle. You know, you need to have logs of what you, I said, actually, it is a business vehicle because every time I use it and I, I do all my fuel logs, I can show where I did, where I went, what I did. He goes, perfect. Let's do it. So um, that's definitely, definitely helpful. Um, Tim, you had mentioned earlier kind of like, you know, how a lot of the vehicles are, are standard with CarPlay and Android Auto now. Which I love because as a journalist, when you're driving something new every week, there's nothing more irritating than having to set the car up just to enjoy it for the week. And with the advent of CarPlay, it's just made everything so much easier to hop in whatever vehicle and have all the things you care about at your fingertips. Well, you know, GM just made the announcement that all of their EVs are going away from Apple Play and Android Auto, and they will not be offering them. And eventually the ICE ones will as well, which I think is a huge mistake. I think customer sentiment is going to turn on them. And I, I really do think there'll be people who won't buy the vehicle uh, because it doesn't have that feature. Well, my, my viewpoint is we still don't know the real answer why GM's doing it. I read a new interview every other day that new different new reason why they're doing it. Oh, it's data. Oh, we don't want to do it because this or the collection or no, no, no. Yeah. It's going to mess with the EV charging setup. Yeah. Or, they're or, so no, full no, of crap. We don't want to do with this. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, it's yeah. like every day there's new story come from these people. Yeah. What, they what spun it, about, but it's data. It, Right. And what kills me with the whole situation with that is if you look at who the electric vehicle buyer is, and currently it's it's early adopters. Early adopters are very tech savvy. They're very tech savvy people. It'd be one thing to give my farmer dude an AM FM stereo without Sirius XM driving around a two-wheel drive truck. That'd be one thing. But to do that to an audience that is very tech-focused, and they're going to use their phones on all the time anyways. And, and, and it, I think it's interesting is, is th- they're doing it in that segment. Like, you know, do it, do it in, in the, uh, the, the work truck Canyon or work truck, Colorado, do that stuff. You know, that, that stuff I can sort of see cause yeah. whatever, but don't do it on electric vehicle when your, your, your customer base is a very tech savvy customer base. Holman, explain why you think it's about data, because I don't know that our audience understands oh, no, the it, marketing behind it's it. It's not maybe about data it is about data. So, when they have a third-party app on there, Apple or Google are, are taking all the data of where you go, what you do, what your preferences are, what your features are, and they want to control that whole ecosystem because they want to control you after the sale as well. And as we get into subscription models, which BMW has already tried overseas, for like, oh, your car already had, you already paid for seat heaters, but we'll only right. turn them on with a subscription. Well, that didn't fly. And a bunch of people revolted and said, well, then we're not just not going to buy your cars because that's a ridiculous thing. I already bought the hardware. But what they're, they call these software-defined vehicles is like the next generation of vehicle where what they're doing is they're baking in all the features and you only have access to the ones you've paid for. And I think that's going to throw everybody for a loop because they're going to go like, well, what do you mean I have to pay $5 a month for HomeLink? And I have to pay $10 a month to have Sirius XM activated and then pay them for something. Or I have to have, oh, you want CarPlay? Well, we'll open that up for $20 a month. You want, you know, heated seat? You want adaptive cruise control? Well, those are going to cost extra too because they want to continue. Here's the problem. If you go to a dealership, the majority of a dealership's profits come from the service department. With the advent of EVs, you're taking 
that from a from a regular service vehicle to a vehicle you may only see once a year. How do you backfill that revenue as a dealership or as a manufacturer when you're not seeing yeah. people? It's subscriptions and yeah, it's so data and it's how do they market to you? How do they sell your data to make money off of you? All of that kind of stuff. So it's a massive data play. They're going to license, I think, uh, Google Maps and things like that. So it still has, to Tim's point, state-of-the-art maps and whatnot. But they're going to control that ecosystem in their car because with it being electronic, they know everything you're doing. They know where you're going. They know what you're preferences are they know what time of day you get coffee at starbucks it'll probably have ai that goes oh are you on your way to starbucks would you like us to order your your usual over wi-fi you know bing, and they're the gonna get a piece of that sale from and starbucks. i'm sure they'll get a kickback on it right. so so that's what's happening i don't think anybody's being transparent I, I about it no I, I agree i think what i think the, the if you go back in time i think what opened pandora's box in this is onstar onstar's success for general motors of post-sale revenue right Created this whole ecosystem of post-sale revenue and look at the toyota is doing this now with remote start you can't get a tundra with remote start separately you have to pay a subscription for remote start well it doesn't come on the key fob it's, right it's on an app it comes on an app and a key fob but they're going to take so i talked to toyota a lot, a lot of times on this yeah they're going to take away the option to do it on key fob yeah that's what i thought and okay. it's only a key fob if you, if you know the trick Again, the lock, lock, and hold lock to trick. <laughs> and so, I mean, A B B A up no, down, no, up down. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no remote start button on the key fob. Right. And I, and I didn't know the trick until some viewers pointed out to me, and I was like, oh, well, I feel like a dumbass now, as, as you do. But yeah, so I mean, so you talk about BMW thing, you talk about different things, but I mean, I, you're you're seeing all these manufacturers look at GM's OnStar success and going, look at that pile of money they make, the billions they make in OnStar. All they're doing is having somebody sit at a call center and, and answer phone calls. Yeah. I mean, the the the, the profit from that's insane. And and all of them now are look going, hey, why can't we make more money off that? Why can't we make money off this? You know, so all the subscription well, stuff will take things away. And, and now they don't over. even have to have a call center because everything will just be automated through apps and things like that. So the AI as well. I mean, all, all of it. AI, I, yeah, sure. I think it's, yeah, I think it's crazy. That. Well, I, and then it's funny. Yeah. I had a conversation with somebody today who was talking about, you know, well, how are, how are you using AI? And I'm like, I don't. And they go, well, doesn't that make it easy to write stories? I'm like, no, I, will, I refuse to use it because I feel like it's cheating. It's taking the soul out of what you're doing. And I've had a journalist and, uh, who say, well, I use it, but then I rewrite it in my own voice and this, that, and the other. And that's fine, what, whatever. But like Sports Illustrated just got, got caught doing a f- whole AI thing. There's a couple automotive magazines that have moved to AI overseas uh, in India and things like that. And it's becoming more and more apparent that authenticity and people who are actually subject matter experts are going to fade away as these quote unquote easier, more convenient technologies like AI take over and do the work. And it's, it's kind of, you know, honestly, it's kind of sad to see. It, it is. I, I've used AI a few times um, and it, it's interesting results you get. I mean, I'm, the, the best one I did was <laughs> I was, I might've had a little whiskey that night and I was goofing around <laughs> And I put in AI, I said, I want you to write me a truck review based on President Biden's voice of a Chevy, do a Chevy Silverado truck review. And then I thought, well, let me be fair about this. I did a truck review uh, based on uh, former President Trump's voice. And it was hilarious. <laughs> I, had, I had such a good time laughing at those. It was like, I think Trump was like, uh, this is the greatest truck in the U.S. history. <laughs> and let me tell you, I know a thing or two about trucks. And then Biden's like, well, the blah 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 I mean, it's, it's I funny. Mean, we, we've done stuff I on the show laughed. like that. I was like, this is this is the best thing AI ever produced. Like, yeah. I, I literally should have 
I, 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 I did, I did want to get political. Everybody gets a, their butt hurt about this stuff these days. And yeah. so I, I just said, I read it off. I think I read it off in the live stream and just, and I canned it. I just deleted everything and just let it, you know, cause whatever. But I just was like, well, that's, this is, this is exactly how I see AI, AI is just being a gigantic joke. So why not just make a big joke about it? But I've had it rewrite press releases and it does a fairly terrible job. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, so, you know, the, the reality in our world, our world is you have to rewrite press releases from time to time. You just do just because the news is important, whatever. And you try to add your own little spit, not spin, but details to it, add more stuff to the story. But sometimes the press release is just a press release. You know, you just, you got to rewrite it and it sucks. And, and sometimes it's only AI and I'm like, well, here, this sucks worse but maybe i clean up a little bit and i always find that it takes me twice as long whenever i use ai like it's not a time saver it takes me twice because I, I have to double check everything because i don't trust it well let's let's just be honest i mean it probably writes stories better than some of our colleagues <laughs> no comment, no comment. <laughs> hey speaking of politics what do you make of the cummins diesel gate you know, I was listening to your podcast about that. Uh, what you guys did a couple weeks ago on that podcast. And I ran an updated story on pickuptrucktalk.com. Um, I, I think what's interesting about it is a couple things. First of all, I mean, we're dealing with Cummins here. Like Cummins, out of all companies, knows diesel emissions. Like they're not going to, you know, they understand everything's going on. I, I think that we have experts here that are dealing with this stuff. I think it's interesting that they agreed to the fine. It just, I mean, that was the story. They agreed to the fine. And so it's like, I want more details. Like, what did they actually agree to and what actually happened? Because I don't, it, it seems ridiculous that this happened, especially because I interviewed a Ford diesel engineer, I don't know, three or four years ago. And look at back in time, diesel emissions have been part of this country since 2005, five, six. I mean, people knew about this stuff. 2007, we had this happen. And then we have the, the deaf solution go in. It's, it's nothing it's nothing new that's been going on. And I'm just, I'm just shocked by it. I just, I would think of all the companies that could get caught to think that I come in with, but we still, we still don't know what the diesel defeat device was they're using. Um, I, and the EPA has been historically over the last couple of years, I call them the EPA police. They have really come after some people. Diesel brothers got a big fine. Um, you have other diesel mom and pop places got big fines. My Canadian audience just lasts because you can get, decently in canada with no problem they don't they don't care but it, it is Heck, it's they're the uh, sellers story. these days they're the sellers yeah you can just you just amazon from canada there you go um and so my my viewpoint on this too is i actually own a 2023 chevy Servado 1500 with a three liter duramax diesel the lz0 in it and i bought that for the for the channel for this year because i really wanted i like that engine a lot and i really wanted to see what the economy was i get 30 30 miles per gallon on that thing driving through the colorado mountains which is just phenomenal to talk about a full-size truck at 30 miles per gallon. You tell a guy back in the 1980s, his full-size truck at 30 miles per gallon, he'd, just, he'd think you're a drunk. He'd think you're an idiot. I, you know, I, now you can get it. I think there's a lot of people who don't believe that that's possible today. I mean, I can tow 13,000 pounds if I decide to take my life in my own hands. I usually <laughs> tow about 6,000, 7,000 pounds, which is what the average half-ton guy would do. And you know, I drive 30, 30 miles per gallon through the mountains. And so it's like, if GM can build this engine that does this, why do we need to cheat to do something else? Like, wh what's the issue here? Like, I, yeah. I'm a little mystified by this because engine te diesel engine technology, and you're, I know you're good friends with Gail Banks, he would probably agree with this. Diesel engine technology has just come so far in the past 20, maybe all 30 years, it's gone greatly, but 20 years gone really, really a long ways to make better. And I mean, you know, the, the kids talk to me, they're like, you should just delete that truck. I'm like, I got a, I got a five-year warranty on it. 
Like I'm not deleting anything, you know, I'm like, yeah. and it drives great. And it has a little power, 490 foot pounds of torque. Like what, what else do I need? 1800 RPMs, 490 foot pounds of torque. Like I don't need anything more than that. Like it's perfect the way it is. I, I need more details because something sounds more fishy. And I, the Ram said, uh, just kind of a weird recall around at a Chrysler. It's, it's a weird recall around. They're talking about, they needed to, to look at the uh, SCR systems and update the, the 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 uh, the computer and then the other one was the particular control module was installed in 2021 22 which I think you guys talked about on the podcast but there was an agreement made that they had the parts to put those trucks so they didn't do it and now Ram's recalling those trucks put those parts in so it just still sounds fishy and it, and I'm not sure what the Department of Justice had over the top over the head of Cummins, because the thing that's interesting is people keep saying that EPA is fine Cummins. Well, EPA didn't find Cummins. Department of Justice made the agreement. That's who actually made the agreement with, with Cummins. Right. Because the EPA doesn't have the power to do that. So, but, you know, I, I tell people all the time, look, I don't think there's a truck guy that I know that doesn't want clean air. Right. We go hunting, we go fishing. I, I go play a lot of golf. I want clean air. I want clean water. We all want this stuff. There's no argument there. But the problem that we run into is there's a price for clean air. And we all have a different number we're willing to pay. Are we willing to have emissions equipment, a diesel engine to get that clean air? Well, Some people I, are. I, I would, are. I would agree with are. you to a point also. I, I think that you're right. We're, we're, you know, I, I always argue that you know us people who are overlanding and off-roaders are envir- environmentalists also. We want clean air. We want a clean desert right. or a forest or whatever. We're all for that. But the reality is, is it, when I, I feel like our industry has been under attack for so long when we have such clean vehicles now. Like lay off us for a little while. Go go after some of the the other people. You know what I mean? Like there's other dirtier. We're the easy out target, there. though. We're the easy target. Yeah, but you could. I but, think you could do you more going the, after ocean going vessels. And yeah, things but like you're that. you're on the highway every day, and you look to your left and you look yeah, to your right. Yeah, but that's, and the, that's, that's yeah, that's but the most reality. modern. Yeah, the reality is most modern vehicles today have cleaner emissions coming out the tailpipe than they do in downtown Los Angeles. It's so conflicting. So I, I do a lot of time reading these EPA government speak documents, which is I drink a lot of coffee. Let's just say it like that. So our air quality, according to the EPA, or I think the EPA does the air quality report, is the same as what it was in 1990. And I was growing up in a time period, used to go turn on the Pittsburgh Steelers game, and you couldn't see Three River Stadium because it was all just smog, right? So our, our air quality today is the same as it was in 1990. The difficulty to run into is when you actually dive in the, into the data, the transportation sector is the largest pollution out of all of the areas to look at between coal plants, nuclear plants, and, and all kinds of stuff. So transportation. So you have ships and you have planes that like you talked about, right? And you have cars. Light-duty trucks represent 37% of the transportation and total emissions. My challenge with that, though, is what's the 37%? Are we talking about the new trucks today? Or we're talking about trucks like I have a 62 seat outside. That thing is a pollutant son of a bitch. I drive the hell out of it, <laughs> right? But it's, it's a 62 seat 10. It has no emissions under the law. I mean, it's just, it, that's what it was. So my question is, are uh, the 37% that make up the, the light duty trucks that make up that 37% of total emissions from transportation sector, what is that? Is that a garbage truck? Is that uh, 80s half ton Dodge truck that's rusted out the wheel wells that's driving around? You know, I mean, what's the number there? Because I think that to Holman's point, that as you look at the way the market has gone, look at the emissions that's coming out, you know, trucks have gotten to be more fuel efficient and they've gotten to be putting less emissions. They just have over the years. And so, you know, where are we at this point? And at, at some point, when is enough 
good enough. And I think that's the public feedback's been lately is, hey, we've, we've done all this stuff. We have hybrids, we have electric vehicles, we have this, we're doing hydrogen stuff now, we're doing all this kind of stuff now. When are we going to cycle that we're going to be okay with this again? Where are we going to cycle things and calm down? And then when do we look globally? Because globally, emissions are just a mess. Remember oh, yeah. the, look at the India, Beijing, look at China. Remember the Beijing uh, Olympic Games? Yeah. They had to close down parts of downtown Beijing from truck traffic there because they couldn't see the stadium because it had so much pollution. They actually encouraged people not to drive. There's certain, I, my understanding is there's certain places, uh, I think they call them provinces in, in, in China, that you can't drive a truck between certain hours a day because they pollute so much. So, I mean, and the thing is, I always laugh about because uh, error is not U.S. error. Error is global, <laughs> right? We don't own the error. The error goes from India, comes across to California, comes across different places. And and the thing is, I think what's interesting with California is I've been in the ports of Los Angeles, ports of Long Beach, and those are your biggest key pollution areas in the entire country. Like, entire country, entire state of California. You have more pollution there than you do anywhere else in your state. And so you look at the programs they're putting out. They're trying to do a, a BEV, a transport truck, or a hydrogen truck, truck POTUS done stuff down there as well, for your drainage trucks, so the trucks that drive between the shipping yard to the distribution center. So if we just look at just making an improvement just in that one little section, we could see massive improvements to your entire state and your entire country. So my viewpoint is we don't need to have everybody, if everybody today drove an electric vehicle, we would not sell pollution. No, it's not going to happen. But if if we take everybody and I I tell people all the time, like, if you want to improve pollution, go buy a brand new truck. And they're like, well, I want to buy a new new truck. It's a gas guzzler. It doesn't, no, 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 you understand. Buying a new truck today pollutes a lot less than it used to be and has better fuel economy used to be. So if you take and turn in your 1970 sedan and buy a brand new truck, you're actually improving the environment much faster than you would yeah, be. Yeah, because you're doing it to what? Reducing uh, pollution. You're 100 cars better right, than right. just one car better, for example. Exactly. Th- th- then, you, then you would be by saying buy an electric vehicle because people buy these electric vehicles and then you go park them. Well, that's terrible Like because you cause more pollution when you create the vehicle. So the irony with electric vehicle is you need to buy it and then drive it a lot to get any sort of CO2 reduction from when the pollution happened. And people buy EVs, they don't drive them because you can't get the range out of them because they're always charging them. They don't want to drive them very far. So it's just really irony we're in this place. Yeah, it's sort of and paradoxical. Would, yeah. Tim, the problem is that the people that you're arguing with are not settling for anything less than zero. Well, the, 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 they want zero. It's because they they're want, ideologues. They're not realists. Right, yes. The difference is between right. the real realism and ideology. And if you could get people to come in the middle and have a, a regular conversation, that would be solved. But that's not what happens, right? Well, then when you say your argument about like, well, what about China and all these other countries that are polluting? They say, well, let's control what we can control. And that's the U.S. And that's as far as their argument can go. And they're going, I'm going to do everything I can within my control. And that's to make you stop driving an internal combustion engine. Well, to make, make you stop driving, period. And some of the scary stuff about over-the-air updates and software-defined vehicles is that they can shut your car off at any time. What happens if we get to a yeah. place where they say on Thursdays, all these vehicles whose VIN number ends in this, your car doesn't work today. And remotely, there's a kill switch or something like that. I mean, it it sounds like dystopian and it sounds like, you know, 1984 and all those kinds of things. But the reality is, is that's the direction we're marching. Didn't Ford or somebody just announce, it was an article a week and a half ago about the, when you don't pay the payments, the car will drive itself back to the dealership? Yeah, well, I think there's a patent or some conversation around something like that. So I just think that, you know, we're, we're seeing the consumer pushback now, right? So we're seeing electric vehicle sales slumber. We're seeing the lightning 
you know, the, the thing that kills me with lightning, there's a guy in Canada who wrote this whole article. Uh, he got interviewed about how terrible lightning was. He couldn't, couldn't get home. He took his family on a road trip. Da, 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 da. He's like, people just got to do research before you buy this thing. And I'm like, well, no, no kidding. Like, no, you just spent $89,000 on that half ton truck that you did not do research on. And now you're mad about it. Like, I, I just, I, I think that that's the growth we had towards. We need more informed consumers who are making better choices based on knowledge they're gaining. I have no problem with people buying an electric vehicle. I, my wife, perfect candidate electric vehicle. I'd love for her to have one. She'd be fantastic with it. It just fit her lifestyle. Awesome. But we're not buying it to save the planet. We're buying it because there's a lot of benefits. Electric sense. Vehicles people don't talk about. So she hates gas stations and she drives to different schools during the, the, the during her school day. Yep. And electric vehicles heat up faster in the wintertime. So it, it, electric vehicle is, is a portable, is a portable, uh, a space heater. And then she loves technology. It, it'd be a perfect fit for her. And the problem is that we went to buy one. It was $25,000 more than the little trailblazer we bought. All right. Before we, uh, before we part ways with you, what is either the most exciting truck on the market for you personally right now, or what vehicle are you most excited about? Hmm. 24 Tacoma. Um, I actually have an order in for 24 Tacoma. I'm really, I'm really looking at Trail Hunter. I'm really, I really want to. I really saw that, and I was really excited about the Trail Hunter. I just thought it looks badass. And for my lifestyle, if I go, you know, hunting or fishing, whatever with it, I could, I could use that truck in that that realm. I, I think that's probably the most exciting thing on the horizon. I don't. There's nothing else out there that's been brand new that really gets me going. I'm really interested in the Hurricane engine and the Ram. I think it's a really interesting play. I'm surprised that the uh, pushback and lose dropping the Hemi has not been greater on the Ram. Yeah. When Toyota dropped dropped it on the Tundra, my God, it was the outcry was just amazing. Oh, how about the F one fifty guys when they started pushing every toward EcoBoost? Thankfully, they did it side by side with Coyote, so you can still get it. Right. But yeah. It took took a while. I did drive there after R. I thought that just that's such a cool truck. Um, there's just there's nothing about that I don't like that, that I don't like about it. I, the Ram TRX is a great truck too. It's sad that the Ram TRX they cannot build enough to meet the demand. They're still going to kill it. It's just kind of weird. Um, well, that's and, yeah, that's I, that's I, emissions I, related, isn't it? I mean, that's why they're because they can't get the the truck just pollutes too much. Slantis doesn't build a small car. They don't. They don't have a Prius or a Chevy Bolt or whatever to offset the the credits. That's their biggest problem. Um, and Slantis, I think all the companies. If you want to talk about companies, that I want to watch Slantis is in real trouble. I think. I, I just. I really have concerns about the company. It's so weird. The Jeep is not doing well. Ram's not doing well. They made some weird uh, vehicle. They made some weird uh, leadership changes over there, and ever since they merged and became Stellantis with the French in charge, they don't understand the American market. I won't go into details on, on this particular podcast, but uh, they're, they are actively trying to do things that will undermine the brands here. And it, I, I hate it because I love the product. The, the product is great. Uh, I do agree with you. I think the, the Ram and the you know uh, Ram Charger with the extended range uh, generator on board is really interesting. I think the fact yeah. that they use the Pentastar is really interesting. I totally understand why. Obviously, it's a volume engine. You don't have to worry about a turbocharger. It just kind of does its thing. They make a gazillion of them. There's parts everywhere. It's super reliable. It doesn't need to be a a massive powerhouse. So that all makes sense. I'm excited about that one. I think that one's going to be interesting because it's a new take on something that uh, that you get all the benefits of EV, but also a lot of the infrastructure benefits of, of gas. So we'll see. That's one of the ones I'm excited about. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a Ram Rev deposit. I have a Chevy Silverado EV deposit. I probably cancel both of them because we've seen EV. I've driven EVs and they just don't work. 
Um, that's far electric charge in my area. It just doesn't happen. But yeah, looking at the Ram Charger, I mean the the, the what do they call the Ram Ram Charger or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you know it, that one's very interesting to me. That one's a very and it's a very it's very confusing how they put it out. Like it's a plug-in hybrid. No, it's not a plug-in hybrid. No, it is this. No, it's not that. It's yeah, like, yeah. Guys, Jesus, now you like confuse the audience even more. Like yeah. just why just call it? So it's a hybrid plug-in hybrid or a gas engine. Done. Done. Yeah. You know exactly. But, yeah. It, it's it seems confusing what they're talking about with that. But uh, Lexus I'm, is I'm rebranding their their hybrids in the recent ads where it's like electric for short trips, gas for long trips. And you're going, wow, that's pretty easy, right? I mean, it just, it, it's easy well, to Well, the, the manufacturers have been piss poor at explaining what a hybrid actually is. Yeah, even my parents bought a non-plug-in hybrid CRV. They actually got two of them because they really liked it that much. My mom and dad both got them at the same time or within a few weeks. You know, I was explaining hybrid. I didn't know that Honda didn't have a, a PF, a, pl- a plug-in hybrid electric. They just had the regular non-plug-in. And so I kind of went through the whole dissertation with my mom about how our, our PF Grand Cherokee works, blah, 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 blah. Got them all jazzed up. She goes, oh, I don't know if it has a plug. And I looked. I go, oh, that's weird. It doesn't. So then I'm like, all right, cancel half the things I told you and you still get the benefit. But anyway, it's just, you know, consumers... Uh, even the most savvy, sometimes it takes a little bit to wrap their head around it. And I think it takes, uh, hopefully, people like us who stay in the know to, to help educate. It's confusing. It, it, and I think that's a, the biggest problem right now is, you, you, especially in a truck world, most truck guys buy a new truck every seven years. Five to seven years is on average. And most times they buy one new truck their entire life. That's what happens. And so when they looked at the truck they owned in 1990 and 2000 2010, they come to look at a 2022 model. They're blown away. I guess we're 23 now. They're blown away. They have no. They're like, what is all this? Yeah. You know, like I, my my grandfather, he bought a new EcoBoost in in Denver. He's 89 years old, and he says to me, he goes, well, hey, he goes, it's so cool. He goes, I went and told him I saw that big. I want that D6 everybody talks about. I drove it. Came back to this room. He goes, wow, this thing's fast. And like, yeah, that's a twin turbo V6. He goes, oh. <laughs> and then he goes, didn't even know. He goes, well, how do I? He goes, well, how do I get better fuel economy? And I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm in town driving through Denver. And I said, okay. He goes, I go as fast as I can between the stoplights because it's so fast. I'm like, okay, well then don't go as fast as you can between the stoplights. <laughs> Small displacement V6 still. And yeah, but he. I had to go visit him because he he had to know all the buttons, how the, all the all buttons work. He has no idea. Every day he yeah. gets instructed to find something new. So he's got and a VCR. That, I mean, that's, that, that's he's got a VCR that's blinking ba- beta 12. Max. Yeah, Betamax. Yeah. It's blinking 12 because yeah. he can't yeah. change the time. Yeah. Well, if you want a little piece of uh, all of Tim Esterdahl's astute observations, go to pickuptrucktalk.com. It's pickup truck and SUV talk. And uh, plus, plus, I can't get that. You just can't plus? do it right. Let me do it again. I'll try it again. So I'm going to try it. Tim pick doesn't up, hate us. So it's pickup truck talk plus SUV talk. Oh, is that what it is? Geez. Or is it pickup truck plus SUV talk? There's not talk twice. There you go. Pick up that, all right. So it's right here in the badge. Pickup truck plus SUV talk. There you go. Got it. See, but the I, problem see, is I, on I, the, the, the well, hold on a second. Make it easier. I thought plus would make it easier, but it didn't. It no, didn't. it doesn't because <laughs> the website is pickuptrucktalk.com. Then go there. Then go there. God damn it. <laughs> or YouTube. <laughs> Have you ever typed in pickup truck plus SUV talk.com? No, you don't. No. <laughs> I know my truck guys. It's three words, fellas. And then it's simple as good. Pickup truck talk. Just go there. Do you get everything else? Everything else finds it. It works the way Well, out. it's funny. We were going to name it the uh, truck plus SUV show podcast, uh, but we saw <laughs> how that worked for you. And we decided I, I not to. No, I, I couldn't pronounce. I couldn't get it out of my mouth. <laughs> smart. Very uh, smart. Yes. I would have loved to rebrand myself back in the day. I would have done a better job. That's what it is. 
All right, brother. Well, thank you for uh, spending some time with us. And uh, again, we we appreciate the uh, conversation you had with Mark Williams and kind of uh, talked about what we got going on over here. And great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Yep. What I'm about to tell you is one of the, if not the biggest announcement of my entire career. Uh, That might be an overstatement. So that's Dave Sparks. He is really good at marketing. Dave Super Sparks, great marketer. You're familiar with uh, Diesel Brothers fame, and now he's got a uh, his wildly successful three and a half million subscriber YouTube channel. Jesus, a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, a lot of people are watching Dave. So I've had some personal interactions with Dave. He's been by Banks. We built him an engine for uh, uh, the Brodozer. Never yep. got into the Brodozer, but that's because COVID happened and the whole thing kind of fizzled out. But my interactions with Dave... He, he was a sweetheart. He was a really good guy. Very genuine, really sharp. Like he, he would stand toe to toe with Gail. We had many conference calls with just me, Gail, Banks, and Dave Sparks. And he, he's a sharp dude. Like he, he's, he's on it. But sometimes I think his, his marketing side gets the best of him a little bit. And this might be one of those times. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically talks about finally uh, announces something that I guess it's been uh, done for a while, but he formed a company called Ember with some people, investors himself, I guess, to buy the IP for the Nikola Badger, the uh, the Wave Runner that they were working on, and then also the side by sides that you and I drove while we were out there. And he, you know, it's funny he goes through. He really does a lot of defending of Trevor. Which well, I thought was unnecessary in the video. We should say that this is from Dave's latest video uh, entitled, The Nikola Badger is Real and I Own One. Yeah. You'll find that at Heavy and, D Sparks. And I, I noticed clickbait because he's saying in the video, oh, nobody said it was real. I have pictures of the blue truck that he's showing right there. I've shown you them. Like, we know that that truck existed. We know that they built. So he goes through and says, look, these trucks were actually built. And by the way, they're beautiful. Like, they're amazing. Um, I still think the design is every bit as fresh today as it was when we saw the 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 renderings and the models back when we visited Nikola way back when. But obviously, Nikola doesn't want to be in that business. They're focusing on their fuel infrastructure and semi-business. And... It would have taken billions and billions of dollars of investment to bring those power sports and truck products to the market. So they bowed out of that. And since then, Dave did a bunch of stuff, I guess, for Trevor. He talks about in the video up front, but he uh, didn't put any money into it. And so somehow had either, I don't know if it was some sort of um, stock in it or well, some, that's some, what he explains some sort of equity. He was going to get stock. Yeah. He was doing this kind of all pro bono where... He was lending his name, his likeness, his marketing, and then at some point he would be rewarded for stock yeah. if, if, of course, if Trevor it, Milton didn't burn him like he burned so many others. But he's defending Trevor. Trevor, basically Trevor's saying that he got railroaded and framed, Dave's standing up for him, uh, but the fact of the matter is it was adjudicated in a court and he was convicted. There's a whole lot of other stuff to that story. But here's what I find interesting. Dave says several times, Several times in this oh, video. Stock? Oh, this isn't financial advice. I'm not telling you to invest. But then he goes on to tell you why you should invest, essentially. Yeah. And when you dig into it a little bit deeper, it's interesting because uh, Trevor, from, back from the grave, who has zero uh, day-to-day input to the company, but apparently still owns a lot of outstanding shares, or maybe not outstanding, but owns a lot of shares in Nikola, has some sort of voting or ability to affect the board. And so he put together a list of, I think, five of his cronies or people 
that he wanted on the Nikola board because it sounds like they're they're trying to plot like some sort of Nikola takeover from of the current company. And so Dave is basically saying, well, you know, I've been nominated for the board and uh, I'm not on it yet, but uh, if it goes through. So I did a little bit of digging because I'm like, well, that's a weird thing to say. And oh, I bought this IP from this company and I want to bring it to market. That's great. Awesome. Oh, but here's not financial advice. Oh, and I've been nominated for the board. And he starts weaving this corporate details into this kind of video that to me was should have been a clap back to people who doubted Badger. But instead, it became like a little less than that because it became more about the the. So let's so. let's set the stage of the video. He is in his Utah hangar, hangar on yep. an on a on an airstrip somewhere, and you see his helicopter on one side. He's flanked by a blue and a white Nikola Badger. To his left, to your right, you'll see a couple of side by sides that are electric side by sides, and behind him, he's got uh, two of the Wave Runners that we, yeah. you and I saw. Right. All of the stuff that is on camera is awesome. So that video was put on the 18th, and as I dug a little bit deeper, I found this press release from February 9th from Nikola. And as you guys know, have been following the show for a long time, we got swept into the whole Nikola controversy because right before the IPO, Trevor was amazing, had Lightning and I out to their facility in well, Arizona. First we, first, we did almost a 45-minute yeah. interview with him on the show. And with Dave Sparks. And we had we, him on the show, and too. Then we, well, and then we, so that was on the show. And then yeah. we went to Nikola yeah. in Phoenix. And, and got an incredible tour of this place because they used that saying, oh, here's these guys from this podcast, our IPO. They're telling you that it's not snake oil. And then the Hindenburg stuff hit, which Dave alludes to in the video. So anyway, long story short, I feel like this is a really cringy video of Dave trying to build consensus around him being on the board and also around potential future investments. But legally, he has to say this is not investment advice, right? Uh, When you guys hear, you're going to see press releases, you're going to see stuff in the news talking about uh, me being nominated for the board. That's the reason why. With that said, none of this is investing advice. I'm not telling you to buy shares. Do not make any financial decisions based off of what I'm telling you today, simply because all I'm doing is getting you guys caught up on a project that we've been working on for a really long time. And I don't feel like that's all he's doing, (laughs) right? I I think he could have been like, guys, you all doubted me. I did invest in Badger. In fact, I bought the IP and we're going to take this. Instead, it was like, yeah, yeah, we did that. Truck's real. This one here. I'll give you a little bit of background. By the way, I've been nominated for the board. So on February 9th, Nikola puts out a press release that says, Nikola rejects slate of directors nominated by Trevor Milton for election to Nikola Board of Directors. So what does that mean? Let's break that down. So Milton, former executive chair, criminally convicted and sentenced to 48 months in prison, is the subhead of this press release. And so it goes through and it says, on January 26, 2024, Nikola received a notice from M&M Residual LLC, Mr. Milton's entity, declaring its intent to nominate a slate of five directors for its eight-member board. If that doesn't sound like a takeover, I don't know what does. Cole Cannon, who Dave mentions in the video, who is instrumental in in negotiating the uh, the Badger IP and the Power Sports purchase, Derek Johnson, Hans Peterson, Paul Southam, and Dave Sparks. And some of those names, if you've been following the odyssey of this, have come up in other places. I'll let you do your own research on it. Uh, it's just interesting. The only reason I bring this up is because this show in particular, and Lightning and I, have our little tiny footnote, and I feel like we owe it to you when we see something to kind of like be, hey, this is our take on it. The press release goes on to say, the board of directors reviewed the director nominees and rejected the slate and does not endorse their nomination. The director nominees have no public company experience, add no skills or experience to the board, and indisputably lack the depth of experience that current Nikola board members bring to the company. Additionally, 
It's the company's belief that the director nominees lack the expertise or knowledge needed to navigate the complexities of a zero emissions trucking and energy infrastructure business. So a few things I pull out of that is they reject everybody. And their current vision is zero emissions trucking and energy, not power sports and trucks. And they specifically put that in there because they're telling their investors and they're telling you know, Milton's people, yeah. we're not going that direction. So your people don't matter because that's not the direction we're going. And then they go on to say, Mr. Milton was criminally convicted of one count of securities fraud and two counts of wire fraud as it relates to the company. And on December 18th, 2023, was sentenced to 48 months in prison, followed by a supervised release for three years. On October 20th, 2023, Mr. Milton was found liable in an arbitration with the company, resulting in an award to the company of $165 million plus interest, which includes a $125 million settlement with the Security and Exchange Commissions from December 2021. This judgment remains unpaid, and Nikola is vigorously seeking all legal avenues to recover monies owed to the company by Mr. Milton. Mr. Milton is separated from the company entirely and has had zero involvement in Nikola's day-to-day operations since September of 2020. However, Nikola continues to suffer harm created by Mr. Milton's business decisions from over three years ago in his role as founder and executive chairman. Then they go through and name all the people currently on the board and what each of their expertise are. So to me, it's it's a a drama. There's popcorn involved. It feels like, you know... They're like, look, the guy did bad things and we want nothing to do with him. Meanwhile... You have Trevor and Dave, who are buddy buddy, yeah, and they're trying to retake over this company yeah. or have some influence on it. And then they have this other entity called Ember, which is apparently going to try and bring this from the ashes. Personally, and I've had a lot of you reach out to me, oh Holman, what do you think? This is my own opinion. This this is just my gut feeling. It'll never happen. And I and if Dave wants to call me a hater. And prove me wrong, I hope he does, because the Badger was an exceptional idea and a beautifully styled pickup with a ton of capability, as imagined when we saw it years ago. I would have, uh, you and I both would have put money down on this truck. I I would have bought that truck. They're pushing into hydrogen, which Shell just announced they're closing all their California hydrogen stations. That infrastructure is starting to fade. I do think hydrogen fuel cell is a better choice for a pickup truck than a full battery electric pickup truck. Mm Whatever. But that truck, based on the capabilities that we were told about, the design, the style, and the things that we saw when we were there, I would have been a customer of that. I would have, I was like, yeah, this is rad. I, I think this is really so cool. So let me ask you this. What is What do you think Dave Sparks hopes to achieve, not from this video, but overall? It looks to me like, so he bought the two Badgers. Yeah. Great. They're just And all the IP that goes with them. And all the IP that goes, that's all great. But listen, he doesn't have a software and engineering team working with him. Right. He's talking about he software updates that some of them are requiring. And I don't know. He, it's like the heated seats don't work. The stereo yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. All this. It's like they're never going to work because Nikola is out of it. They don't yeah. want anything to do with this. Anyway. Well, that's so, as far as we know. Who knows? Far, maybe there's some well, back channel stuff. According yeah. to according to that the, press release. The press release right. says they're right. out. But according to Dave, it says they're a minority in this. Who knows? I hope. Drama! Dave, yeah, no, I hope Dave <laughs> proves me wrong, and I hope he goes, yeah, uh, Sean Holman from the Truck Show Podcast is a hater. And by the way, here's a Nikola, and you're on the blacklist, and you can never own one. That would be w- wonderful for me, because I'd be like, oh, Red, you had to come to market. It would be great for me, because I'd buy one. Because you would buy one, and I, I wouldn't be able to have one, because Dave's mad at me or something. But in some of my past conversations around this, I can tell you the investment that was estimated to be required to do all three of those vehicles, the side-by-side, the, the Wave Runner, and the Badger. Had to be over a billion, right? Multi, multi-billion dollar investment. You have to have a huge investment pool. You have to sign people up. So maybe that's what he's hoping to get with this is to get some other companies to sign in. But the reality is, you're Elon Musk. You're already a billionaire. 
and it took a long time to make a decent car. Then you got Lucid, which is an American company backed by huge Saudi money. And then you've got all Rivian, which is, was losing a, a few months ago, you know, $14,000 per unit. And that's not even mentioning all the ones that have gone away, like Lordstown and, and all these other ones. The reality is it's incredibly hard to make a, a vehicle in this regulatory and manufacturing and logistical environment. So for... So again, I'm asking you, what can he possibly, even he if he if he, he wants to take over the board, like he wants yeah. to get his, Dave Sparks and all the yeah. uh, the Trevor Milton guys, yeah. they take over the board and then what do they do? Then they finally get the Badger to market? I, I guess. Interesting. I, I guess. Or they're trying to look for somebody to invest in Ember to bring Badger to market so they go make money off that. I see. As a non-Nikola product. I don't know. I don't know. I'm telling you I don't know. But I will- Do s- I reach out? Would you talk to Dave? Yeah, I would talk to Dave. Okay. But I just, I don't, I hope he figures it out, but that's a that's a tall it's hill to climb. It's a heavy lift, yes. Yeah. To me, one of those things that uh, I just felt like when I saw the video, I cringed a few times. It was like, like I really wanted him to delve deep into the Badger and not try and sell, sell me on this future vision of yeah. Nikola 3.0. I, he didn't give us a tour of the Badger. He didn't walk us through it. He kind of just, he says, look, the yeah. door's and, open. Right, and he said and he was going to. There was one piece of video that they kept showing over and yeah. over, over again of him driving it yeah. and it pulling the trailer, yeah. but it was on one piece of highway. And yeah. he goes, and we didn't push this down yeah. a, a road. So like this the is semi a, was. Like the semi was <laughs> yeah. rolling downhill. So he was trying to tell us that it's real and it works. And yeah. that's fine, great, but... It was only one piece of video like on one road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even that was a little suspect. They did, they did it, I'm sure, for marketing B-roll because it was going to be at the big uh, Nikola Expo that was coming up, and that was where it was going to be Oh, you think unveiled. this video was shot a long time oh, ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was. Because Dave was behind the wheel. But he was involved back then, too. Yeah, he was. So who knows? Oh. So I don't know. All, all, all I know is that uh, the Badger was real. I never doubted it because I saw the blue one. I have pictures of the blue one. And so I just thought that was funny and clickbaity because a prototype exists. Two obviously existed. And I think it's cool that Dave bought all the IP. I don't think it's cool that I was in watching a sales pitch for a timeshare coming up or something <laughs> like that. And I kept waiting for the, the, the close. And it I wonder really how many people like understand what's actually going on. I don't know. I just There's think, no way that the average person is following it as closely as we are. No, no, no. And he, he, even we are kind of you know not following it that close. I just think it's crazy like... The drama, the corporate drama of what happened, where we were at, and then you know Hindenburg comes out, Trevor gets booted, then he gets busted by the security exchange, and you know and, and is found guilty, and then uh-huh. a, a GM comes on board, and GM steps out, and then they leave some people behind, and they're like, we're gonna go hard into trucking and hydrogen now, and then. You know the the old ghost of Trevor Milton and his cronies like reappeared. Oh, we're gonna try and take over the board. Like it's crazy. It's like it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. And if you read the history of Trevor, whether you believe it or not, like go just read, just read. You could spend a day reading the history. You can listen to some of our older podcasts. No, no, the, that Wall Street the Journal's, Wall Street Journal that, that, quote, that, that quoted us. Yeah, the podcast uh, no used yeah. our audio. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was that was yeah. that was creepy because and we cool. were we had we I guess we were one of the few outlets that had that much of a deep discussion. We said at the time, Trevor was incredibly gracious and open with us. Like he told us all sorts of stuff. We walked away going, "Dude, I can't believe that just happened." Right. So I feel like we have a little bit of entitlement to have a at least an opinion on everything yeah. and. So this is what we think. It's it's just an interesting footnote. Thanks for everybody who sent us the video. Dave, honestly, dude, I wish you the best of luck on getting that thing off the ground. We'll, we'll buy them. I think if I you think get it ba- to market. Yeah. But uh, you know, 
the the uh, the palace intrigue of, of Nikola is probably going to be what drives the story more than the product in the uh, coming years. Speaking of the Badger specifically, my favorite comment on this video. Whistling Diesel 500 point inspection video coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we realize that this is the world's longest truck show podcast episode. Let's no, get no, into no. truck news no, and no, we'll no, do no, it. No, no, no. World's longest of 2024. Oh, is that it? <laughs> Probably. What's, What's new, new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Uh, hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! 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 Alright, no. speaking of electric trucks that aren't Teslas or uh, Badgers. <laughs> Rivian? <laughs> nope. What else is there? Well, a Scout, which is the Volkswagen oh. electric vehicle company. So I have a couple of people I know have been hired over there recently, and uh, there's been some stuff popping up on how they broke ground on a new U.S. facility where it plans to build all the off-road uh, trucks. They're going to be electric trucks. But what's really interesting, they're doing it in uh, South Carolina. What I found really interesting is they're treating it like a startup, like its own entity, its own company. And they really want to go after the adventure space and, and off-road space even harder than, say, Rivian is. And I find it super interesting. And then they also, some stuff is starting to leak out how they want their trucks to have, get this, actual physical buttons. So apparently, uh, good on Volkswagen for no, having no. physical buttons. Scout. Scout, sorry, Scout. It's uh, Chief Designer Chris Benjamin was quoting as saying, manual is important. We want to make sure that the things you use every day are not buried somewhere in the screen. Easy, functional, tactile, all super important. And he added, Scout was a machine that always worked. We want to make sure the new one always works too. I love that. That's great. Because I have been in a lot of modern cars. Land Rover! Land Rover! <laughs> you okay? Where, oh, let me give you a pat Defender! Defender! <laughs> Where all of the controls for off-roading and things are buried in the screen. And when your screen goes dark, you can no longer control many, 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 many functions of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And some of those brands that do that. Uh, I think I'm still blackballed by them, by the way. Land Rover? Yeah, they haven't called me in years after I kind of like <laughs> made fun of their... Or you, what you said just now? Oh, no, Didn't no, help. no. That's nothing compared that was nothing. to... No, oh, really? what I said in print, they were they were not happy with. Look, here's the deal. If you want a, a real opinion, uh, look no further than Sean Holman. Um, did, I ever, did I ever read that little excerpt for you? Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah, I do recall. It was pretty scathing. <laughs> but only that part of it. Yeah, but well, listen. Talking that's, about the, that's the part they read. Talking about designers with little tiny pointy, pointy yes, shoes. I, and, it was a great review. You were proud of that one, actually. Yeah, I still am. And it got me uh, I got have me a feeling. You know what they did is they put that, they, they tore it out of the magazine, mm -hmm. right? And they put it on their copy machine. And mm -hmm. they said enlarge by 200%. Uh -huh. And then they took that one out of the printer. And they put that one, I said, enlarged by 200%. So by the time they were done, it was 800% larger. So it's just that little paragraph. Uh -huh. And that's what they hung on the door to the CEO's office right there. And they said, buy Sean Holman on it. Don't ever invite him back <laughs> exactly. to another program. I'll just leave it alone. Hey, lighting. Have you heard? No! No. The uh, Rivian R2 is going to be uh, launching on March 7th. So that's the new smaller Rivian, that's going to be more affordable. And uh, what's up with the SUVs? I've seen so many of them lately. Like uh, they just popping up everywhere because they they're finally up to production speed on them. So all the people got the trucks first, and the SUV came later. And now I think 
people are finally starting to get theirs. They're attractive. So I'm the, not going to lie. Yeah, no, they're, they're good. It's just like the Hummer, though. Less uh, range because the shorter wheelbase, less batteries, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. I think the truck is really good. I think the SUV feels a little bit of a compromise to me. So Rivian CEO says to expect the R2 to be somewhere around forty-five, fifty thousand dollars So that's- That little? A lot more in the mainstream. and That with, seems too low. And with all the brand equity that they've been building lately, I don't think it'll be good. They're calling it their own Model 3 moment, which is kind of interesting because I think that's going to be the the vehicle that kind of uh, puts them over. But we all know mass producing EVs is hard and supply chain and costs and inflation and good luck with that, Rivian. I uh, I like I like what you got going on, but uh, yeah, good luck. Uh, also, oh, going back to Scout, I forgot to say, they're also talking about having a fold-down windshield, just like the original. Oh, that's cool. Which is cool, just yeah, like the, the Wrangler has, right? So anyway, they, they are really trying to go after authenticity there. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Nope. Uh, staying on the topic of electrification. Do we have to? Uh, no, but uh, this one will piss you off. Okay, all right. <laughs> then I do want to hear it. Uh, yeah. Biden is open to electrifying the beast limo, according to Autoblog. No, 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 no. Yeah, apparently he's been talking about that, and uh, that's a that's a dumb idea. Has he been talking about it on TikTok? Uh, I saw that too. <laughs> just, <laughs> just leave it alone. <laughs> okay. I think people know. Oh, do they? Yeah. All right. You can't have it, but I'm going to be there, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah we'll, just, we'll just leave it. You alone. can't do this. I'm doing it. I'm, do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. 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 I'll do it for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Nope. Uh, TRX is the most stolen pickup truck in Long Beach, California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was the number two. Uh, it was one short of the leader. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened? I set him back. <laughs> I wonder, so the, the, there aren't that many TRXs made. What are they making, like 15,000 a year or something like that? So Probably less than that. I would say per capita, it's got to be one of the most stolen. But like overall, no, it's a drop in the bucket compared to like, I don't know, a Kia yeah, or something. Yeah, but it still goes, it's still a Ram 1500 though. So I mean, it sure. would go into that bucket of stolen uh, that, vehicles. You make a great point, yes. Hey, uh, f- funny uh, Cybertruck news, because why not? Because <laughs> it's just the world is all about electric just stuff. Just pour it on. Uh, did you see that uh, some of them are rusting now? I did see that. So th- did they use 316, 316L? What did they use? So it's, I've part, seen, it's three series. Yeah. So I, I have seen so there are a, a couple things. I've seen a few people surmise what's going on. And uh, one of the things was that it's the rail dust that is hitting and embedding itself in the stainless steel. And then the rail dust is actually what's rusting. Rail dust yeah. from the train from the transport. train transportation. Got it. Oh, because so it's, it's iron. Is it the iron that rusts? Oh man, I because people have been love saying they're easy know. to remove those rusty specks with uh, clay bars and things like that. So okay. if it was real corrosion, like on the cheap stainless steel on my Weber uh, barbecue on the side panels, it would pit, and and then you can't do anything about that. Because, I mean, you guys know there's so many grades of stainless steel. So many. Like in your exhaust pipes, they can be 409 stainless, which lasts a couple years, and then starts to get brown and then rusty, and then there's 3 three series, 304, 316, stuff like that. Then there's all the medical grade, which it's really hard to rust, and then you can even electroplate them, which they probably should have done. Well, then well, we don't know, the, but we don't know. No, we, don't know we have did. no idea well, what. Maybe they do do that. I don't know. No, then it would be shinier if you electroplate them. I don't know. All I know is that there's Elect- oh, not electroplate, electropolish. Oh, Sorry electro-polish. for clear electropolish. Yeah. Uh, Tesla does say that owners should immediately remove potentially corrosive substances like road salt or industrial fallout, Ooh. which I, iron particles would be industrial fallout. So yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. So anyway. But uh, this is not like the undercarriage of your truck. Like all the guys, like we're, at banks, we deal with the guys that have, they'll buy a 409 stainless exhaust, 
And that's what the automotive brands use. But if, if they're in like Minnesota and they salt the roads heavily yeah. every every uh, winter, it just eats. Well, smart people everything. have a garage with a drain, and then they just have like a sprinkler system in their right. garage. Or that, you coat yeah. your pipe or powder coat it, and then it'll last way, way longer. Yeah. Hey, lighting, did you hear? No! No, I have not. Mm-mm, negative. Uh, Ford uh, did a solid, and that was to replace a uh, U.S. Marine's F-150 Raptor with a brand new Raptor R. Why? What happened? Uh, so apparently, uh, Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews from uh, the Marine Corps, he uh, had served as recently as Afghanistan, uh, assisting with the uh, Kabul evacuations. When he got back, his present to himself, a 2023 Ford F-150 Raptor, non-R. So this would have been the twin turbocharged EcoBoost with 450 horse and 510 pound-feet of torque. Well, uh, a few months ago, he was driving. He had taken several cross-country trips. They went from Virginia to California, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, off-roaded all over, and it was his pride and joy. This is not Banana Ron you're talking about now, right? Remember Banana Ron? No, this is a completely, <laughs> a completely different story. Okay. And uh, anyway, he enjoyed his Raptor for about five months until a uh, car crashed into the back of the truck and totaled it. And oh. here's the photo. So he got hit pretty oh, darn hard. Dang, it twisted the frame. Oh, yeah. The, the bed, bed is the higher. Bed is off oh, the chassis. The, the axle's broken off its mounts. <sighs> so he said he was stopped in uh, his traffic on an interstate in Virginia on Thanksgiving Day, and a speeding black SUV uh, did not stop in time and uh, actually pushed the Raptor through multiple lanes of traffic after spinning it. So, uh, yeah, Ouch. according to state troopers, the SUV driver got charged with reckless negligent driving, and he was out a vehicle. So he posted about it on his own Instagram, at Whistling Death. He tagged Ford and Ford Performance and a bunch of uh, commenters, <laughs> right? I mean, everybody yeah. in the monster jumping in. Uh, and they said, hey, you know, oh, we're tagging the company too. Anyway, uh, Mike Levine, who's the North American Product Communications Director, passed the story up. And uh, Bill Ford decided that he was going to gift him a uh, brand new Raptor R for his trouble. That is so cool. So Wow, good on Ford. So now Sergeant Vargas Andrews uh, got to choose the Raptor of his dream, and uh, the 26-year-old picked out a brand new Raptor R. So that's the 2024 model with 720 horse. Wow. Which is a 270 horsepower uh, upgrade from his previous truck. Again, good on Ford for that move. And if that wasn't enough, you got to take a personalized behind-the-scenes tour of the Dearborn plant where those trucks are made. And he got to meet Bill Ford himself, Ford CEO Jim Farley, and then a lot of the employees who uh, were building F-150s. So wow. it's pretty rad. So you know what? Ford, uh, good on you guys. Yeah, I love when they give back to uh, armed services. By the way, we uh, we do that at banks quite a bit too. They're, they're like, hey, you guys have military discounts? Absolutely. First responders, we take great care of first responders. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? Oh, no. No, uh-uh, nope. I have some exciting news for Toyota fans out there everywhere. Yes, bring it on. Is this about the Tacoma? Official, the 2025 Toyota 4Runner has finally been spied out in the wild. I have heard it looks amazing, and I have not seen it. A lot of people are excited about the 4Runner. Yep, so uh, anyway, it's uh, there's a bunch of renderings for it on 4Runner6G.com uh, and some photos. Uh, you can also find some photos on the drive. Uh, anyway, super cool to finally hear, because I, I think everybody was worried that it's supposed to have the same powertrain as the Land Cruiser, and the Land Cruiser is probably a notch bigger. So where does the Forerunner fit in the family now that Land Cruiser is not off the Land Cruiser chassis but off the exact same 
uh, chassis that's shared with everything else rear-wheel drive, from Sequoia to Tundra to Tacoma, Lexus GX, all of those things. Why do we get someone on the phone to ask them? So, well, they haven't announced. Nobody knows where it fits in yet. They're not, that isn't, information is not officially no, out no, there I, yet. I get that, but let's line up They're, an interview. Well, we had Sheldon Brown on here who- But that was Tacoma. You think that he doesn't know what's going on with Forerunner? But we just had him on. You want to have Sheldon on like two weeks no, later? No, no. My point is they're no- Sheldon, can we get you on? They're not <laughs> going to tell us. It's not public yet. I understand You that. don't have the connections. No, no. I'm not saying today. I'm saying that- After the they next- put out the press release and say where it fits in the lineup, then we can have somebody? What to Just to verify. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wait, we read on the- Yeah. Very just, odd. All right. Well, I don't know. I realize that's a dumb idea. <laughs> I rescind everything I've said. I know. I'm trying to understand. You're, I, you're saying- I just want someone to come on and break the news in person. <laughs> Are we going to fly them out from, uh, from Texas? I don't mean in person, person. I mean like over the phone. Got it. Telephony. Right. Voice. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, uh, Forerunner coming. How about that? We you just say that? Forerunner's coming? It'll be interesting to see where it fits in. Is it uh, the three-row variant, basically, whereas a uh, Land Cruiser is two rows? Is it bigger? Is it smaller? Is it the same size as a, a Tacoma? It's smaller than a Sequoia? Toyota is going to have a target-rich uh, truck product uh, lineup here in the next uh, 12 months or so. Target-rich? Yeah. There's just going to be... It's like, listen to all the things that are on that platform. You, you've got the Tundra, you've got the Sequoia, you got the GX, you got the Land Cruiser, you got the Tacoma, and now you have the Forerunner. Wow. All up, like mid-size and full-size. Huh. Oh, you got the uh, the the uh, full-size uh, Lexus Land Cruiser, too. Talk about scale. I just, they're just, they're like, we got one platform, which way do you <laughs> like it? Yeah. So some, some companies have one vehicle and they have 47 trims. Toyota's like, yeah, we're going to have 47 vehicles. You know what this reminds me of is the uh, Ford F53 motorhome chassis. It's the well, I've it's, always wanted to drive one of those before the body gets put uh, on That it. would be fun. That was seriously is like on my bucket list. But like every motorhome that is gas engine in yep. front, which is the new Ford 7.3 right now, but even back to the V10s, if you go to any Winnebago, any Thor, whatever, they're all on Ford F-53 chassis. Yep. Like all of them. All every of them. single one of them. There is no other chassis that I'm aware of. And yet they just... So every style motorhome, wherever you buy your motorhome, it's on an F-53 chassis. It reminds me of this. That was it. Okay. <laughs> and that's also going to uh, end this episode of the Truck Show Podcast on... Uh that riveting final comment Woo. from our man, Lighty. Yeah, sorry. I'm still a little shaken on my TRX episode. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. All right, we want to hear from you guys. If you have any advice for how Lightning can keep his TRX uh, in his uh, driveway, uh, whether it's uh, anchors for the tires or maybe he removes his wheels every night or puts it up on jack stands to uh, foil anybody going into gear or... I have heard that... Um, well, first of all, Rich Holdaway from Holdaway Construction called and he says, yep. hey, uh, I'm down to build you a new garage so you can actually pull into your garage. I said, "My the plot of land yeah, that my it's house sits on is it wouldn't yeah. even work. Yeah. Unless he made you a high garage, you can put a uh, like a, uh, a two-by, you know, parking... Uh, you drive no. it on the bottom? Dude, I heard about a guy with a TRX. His wife had a Jeep parked in front of it, and they had one of those gates that are on tracks. Yeah. And they they broke the gate open, slid it, moved the Jeep out of the way, and then stole the TRX. Yeah. They'll just move stuff around, yeah. juggle your own cars. That's crazy. Just to get the truck. My, full, my family doesn't even move cars out of the driveway when I need to get my 392 out of the garage. So, so man. That's quite the service. But I'm not, I did think about this. This is my crack you up. 
I thought about putting a huge steel stud into yeah. the cement. Yeah. And then putting one of those Abus locks through my yeah. uh, my HRE wheel. Right. And just now ruin would, all of it. It would destroy the wheel, Ugh. but they would they would basically back up. It would coil. It would yeah. destroy the suspension yeah, and the wheel. Oh, jeez. But at least they wouldn't get it. God, that that's. Can you imagine what uh, a mangled mess that uh, would be? Gratuitous truck death. <laughs> Ugh, I'm gonna go see them later that. tonight at the Palladium. I hate that. Uh, so Rich Holdaway is, uh, you know, he's already did, done us a solid on the um, podcast dude. He's not done yet. He's not done working with us. No, he offered to build me a garage. I, he's I like, mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take it from one car, a single car, to a dual car garage. I go, I don't have enough I, land. I wonder if he would uh, help me build something on my land. Oh, the, oh, the, oh, the family plot. Yeah, hmm. Hmm. I might need a little, uh, little place a little up there. Some, some. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Rich. Huh. Rich. Anyway. Rich. All right. Uh, if you guys want to, again, if you guys want to tell Lightning how to save his truck uh, and keep it in his own uh, clammy hands, then uh, you want to reach out to Why the Truck Show to Podcast. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Lightning at truckshowpodcast.com or Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. Uh, save those Holman that email for you guys who secretly just want to, uh, you know, bathe in Lightning's misfortune. We don't want to hurt his feelings. So just send those ones to me. Uh, you can also follow us on social at truckshowpodcast, at LBC Lightning, at Sean P. Holman, mm. or give us a call on the five star hotline, 657 205 6105. We want to hear from you. You're making me feel like there's a, um, a constituency in our audience that uh, would like to see my truck have been stolen. And if you were the listener that stole or attempted to steal <laughs> Lightning's TRX, yeah. uh, reveal yourself in an email. We want to know why. And also what your feelings were when it didn't work. What if they stole it from my house and brought it to yours? <laughs> oh, that would be kind of funny, actually. <laughs> that would be, that don't say funny. that on the air. Somebody will try no, and do that. No. They'll know don't. some dude who's lifting, and they're going to be like, dude, I need you to steal TRX. He goes... I'm I'm busy. I'm, no, no, no. I don't need you to keep it or get rid of it. Just move it to somebody else's house. See, we can have this discussion now because it didn't get stolen. Right. I don't know if I would be sitting in the studio right now if it had been actually stolen. Oh. I would have been devastated. <laughs> I would have to have done this podcast by myself. I, you would have had to come to my house and interview you on the floor in a in a ball. Yes. Yeah, that's sad. So this isn't the part of the show where we should uh, ask for reviews. No. Okay. So, no, so no, no. Uh, don't don't save ask that for, for another day. Uh, oh, and don't forget to send us your events. Head over to truckshowpodcast.com where you can check out all of the uh, awesome events that we have going on. And uh, that event calendar is stacked thanks to Lightning. So, all right. Uh, and don't forget that uh, we also have a lot of discounts going up on truckshowpodcast.com on the featured products page. And so uh, we're adding stuff all the time. And Lightning, I believe our friends over at EGR are the latest entry into the things that you can get discounts on through the Truck Show Podcast. That's correct. If you want to save money on EGR Roll Track tonneau covers, on fender flares, or their new side lights for Jeeps, which are super sick, just head over to our page. You basically buy the product, and then you use our code, and you fill out a form, and they send you a rebate back. So up to 100 bucks you can save. So head on over to the featured products page on truckshowpodcast.com to find your EGR products. Uh, know your notes. Send those to us. OVR Mag, if you want to get a, uh, a free... Year-long subscription, head to overyarmag.com, go to the subscription tag, and the uh, code is at truckshowpodcast. And while you're shopping online, head over to nissanusa.com to build and price the Nissan Titan or Frontier of your dreams. And if your dreams have turned into nightmares recently because of high EGTs, one of the ways to combat that is with Banks' line of quality upgraded intercoolers. So if uh, you're looking for a new intercooler, all-metal construction for your vehicle just head on over to bankspower.com where you can use the year, make, and model tool to figure out which application is available for your truck.
Hey guys, it's Miles, your producer here. Hey, I hey was Miles. going to pick up a TRX at a sweet price, but the dude that was going to hook me up said he's out of stock. He's huh. waiting for a fresh delivery. I wonder what he's uh, waiting on. Could it be uh, that rear window uh, replacement? Yeah, that's not cool. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.